Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. It is that time of the week to talk with our good friend. Matt Penny. What up, Ben? How are we living out there? You look great. I, I, I commented pre-show, but you got a haircut. You got some color. You, you look like a, an Australian native right now. I look great. Well, it's funny. Like, I got a haircut, and I feel like somehow I look like I'm balding less. So that's always nice, just because of the way the hair lies. <laughs> if that's what you take out of it. I, I, I don't see that, but that makes you feel better. It's yeah, a win for you. It's... You know, that's that's the goal. Just always make yourself feel a little bit better yeah, after that yeah. haircut. You got to do it self-care. for you. Self-care. Um, self-care. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I let my hair get long and people will ask, like, yeah, like, why don't you just, like, get a haircut? And it's like, I don't take good care of myself. Like, what do you want me to say? <laughs> Wait, so, so how, how long do we go here for haircuts? Because I'm a, I'm a two, three weeks guy. I try to keep it a little tighter oh, on the sides. Penny, like... I'd probably gone two months since I'd gotten a haircut. Yeah. Like, I, I, I too just long. Grow, I grow like a helmet on the top of my head. And when I was a senior, fifth-year senior at UMass, we kind of had a dirty man competition of who could, like, grow their hair the longest. <laughs> and, and mine just grew kind of, like, in, in weird patterns and, and shapes. I think I won, but I don't know if I really won because it, it looked yeah. bad. Also incredible. You look back at the photos now. It's like, what was I thinking? Or I knew exactly what I was thinking. Uh, but is yeah, this prior we'll to you meeting uh your current wife uh, yeah. or like <laughs> I, I actually uh <laughs> that we we got knocked out of the nit finals late late march early april i think i got a haircut like the next day and i met her like three weeks later so it was yeah that's uh it was a nice God. trademark i had weird hair and i wore <laughs> tall socks that was my uh and i got very excited at the end of the bench those were my tells those were my uh, my go-to moves what a bit i love yeah. it okay so we have a lot of topics here to talk about uh we're gonna start real quick on this report about the ben simmons james harden like rumors that are happening then we're gonna go to shade and sharp and that report which is interesting kyle tucker and i wrote a very uh detailed thing over the athletic kind of explaining the situation about it and then we're going to talk about hashtag penny field trip so uh, matt penny over the weekend took a little trip uh, across Kentucky Auburn. He went to the G League Ignite, Ignite game against the College Park Skyhawks. Yeah. And he went down to scout the OTE kids. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, hashtag Penny Field Trip. We're going to make it a thing. So, go to twitter.com and tag him and say hashtag Penny Field Trip. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have plenty of rousing responses, I'm sure. 
We are then going to go to mailbag prospects of the week. Uh, new segment. What random movie did Sam find on TV this week while in Australia trying to find sports on TV? And then we're going to talk about Yellow Jackets. Okay. Mm. So big show. Let's start with the Ben Simmons, James Harden thing, which I find interesting for a number of reasons. Um, how much of this is posturing? Look, we're like two weeks out from the deadline, and I think that a lot of what we've seen uh, over the last you know few days is teams saying, hey, we don't love the offers yet. We would like you know guys to come forward with their best offer within the next two weeks. Um, like Houston was the prime example of this. Like our Kelly Eco at the website reported that uh, Houston uh, is threatening to keep Eric Gordon. And it's just like, why? You're, you, he has two years left on his deal, theoretically three, if they want to keep him for that third year, because his contract is non-guaranteed for the third year. Um, but like, you're not competing for a title next year. This is the highest his stock is ever going to be. Eric Gordon's a player that generally has some real injury concerns. So like, why? What are we doing here? Like, you got you got to move that guy at the deadline this year, and. The most interesting report came from Sham Sharani and Sam Amick at the website. And I find it fascinating that their sources are telling them that Daryl Morey is trying to hold out to try and get James Harden, essentially, from the Brooklyn Nets in a deal with Ben Simmons. And obviously that deal won't happen this year. Like there's just no way that the Brooklyn Nets are going to move James Harden at the deadline when Kyrie Irving's situation is so tenuous and Kevin Durant is out for the next theoretically potentially four weeks Mm -hmm. and they really need Harden to like be there. Score. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I just, I get that we're at a point where Daryl Morey wants James Harden, who's worked with him extensively in the past. James Harden, you're not getting him this year when Joel Embiid is currently the best player in the NBA. Like, Mm -hmm. there is no player who is playing better at this current moment in the NBA outside of maybe Giannis. And you're not getting James Harden for this season. You'd be acquiring him in in the summer when you have to pay him a substantial amount of money uh, because he has a player option for uh, next season that he'll have to exercise or decline and can sign an extension off of that player option or can decline it and sign with a new team or do whatever, right? So James Harden, by August of this year, will turn 33. Are we really going to like is is Philadelphia really going to mortgage Ben Simmons and its future for James Harden? Good as James Harden is like, I, I don't mean disrespect, but like the, the cracks are showing a little bit with Harden here. Uh, he's been really good over the course of the last, you know, let, let's say four five, six weeks, basically since he got back from his little sabbatical in uh, mid-December. I believe he was on the COVID list. He's averaged like 26 points and 11 rebounds, but the efficiency is starting to wane a little bit, uh, and he doesn't seem to be quite as effective as he's been in the past. 
I just don't love the idea of waiting for James Harden when you have Joel Embiid, who is this good right now. How do you feel about this, Penny? Like, this whole thing is a bit weird to me. A couple pieces to it. The first is, how long is the staring contest going to go on between Daryl Morey and Ben Simmons? And if you think, and most people do, and I agree with you, that Joel Embiid is playing the best basketball in the, in the NBA right now, wouldn't you want to get the best asset next to him to kind of be the Batman to Robin? Whereas you have Robin sitting on the bench for, for half the year, and now you're going to do it the rest of the way. Uh, so, so how do you kind of navigate that space, too? I know he's getting a little bit older, but if that's the best piece you can get back, for Ben Simmons, do you pull the trigger on it when you can? I mean, Joel, Joel Embiid's not getting any younger either. Do you try to strike while the iron's hot? Uh, and Because, like, what are the other options are there out there? I, I found it also fascinating, like, reading this morning that James Harden didn't like the weather in Brooklyn, but, like, maybe Philadelphia would be <laughs> different. It's like, hey, man, it's, it, it's all the same. It stinks. Like, I, I hate to say it. And then where's kind of James Harden head at? Does he want to chase a, a ring here like he kind of thought brooklyn would be and still could be at, at full strength right uh does he want to go to philadelphia and, and play next to uh, joel mb does he want to go back to the west coast and just take 26 shots a night and be content averaging 34 points per game and back to his like really high usage dribbling off the clock and shooting with two seconds every possession i don't know i can't crawl into his brain so so that's why it's hard to kind of figure out how this all works for all parties involved yeah, and on top of that, like James Harden's contract that he would sign would exceed Ben Simmons's. So Philadelphia would have to attach other things onto Ben Simmons to acquire James Harden, like be it Seth Curry or something. But Seth Curry's not nothing. Like he's a no. valuable player. And again, like there's no way Brooklyn is doing this before the deadline. Like I'd be blown away if they did that, just given their situation. Like they are competing for a title. If I was Kevin Durant, I would have a meltdown if they traded James Harden before the deadline. So I can't imagine that they're going to do that. This would purely be an offseason move. So you're wasting what is the best season of Joel Embiid's prime, a player that, you know, has dealt with injuries and is seven foot two and enormous. And we have concerns about his durability long term. I'm just. I don't love the idea of them waiting for a 33-year-old James Harden as their savior to put next to Joel Embiid when, I mean, do we think that they win a title while navigating, like, how to play together in the first year? Probably not. So you're moving to 34-year-old James Harden. I feel like (laughs) the timeline in the window gets too short if you go and get James Harden essentially and on top of that you're wasting this year of Joel Embiid because they're not winning a title unless they do something with Ben Simmons in my opinion absolutely as good as Joel Embiid is they're probably not winning a title unless they do something so I but what is the something it it has to like I'd rather have James Harden than nothing I'd rather have James Harden than Ben Simmons sit on the bench or kind of keep on doing this dance forever like who who is the piece that's attainable that you could you think you could reasonably trade Ben Simmons for right now? If it's not James Harden, that's okay. But is he is Ben Simmons not going to play the whole year? Like what what's the Vegas odds of him being traded versus him continuing to to sit? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Daryl Morey is is I think sending out signals like when I when Daryl Morey says, "Hey, I'm I really don't think I want to move Ben Simmons." As much as anything, I think he's kind of priming the fan base that they might take him past the deadline. I don't think that they necessarily would prefer that. Like, I think they would love to get, like, a 
godfather offer from the Sacramento Kings involving Tyrese Halliburton and Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald, right? I think they'd love to get a godfather offer from Atlanta, but if that offer doesn't come, I think Daryl Morey is like priming the fan base to say, look, we might keep this guy past the deadline. And I don't know. I, it's hard. Like it's, I get where Daryl Morey comes from. I don't think he's wrong to value Ben Simmons as an elite asset in the NBA. I love Ben Simmons. Like I think he's awesome. It's just, it's a real. He's you know kind of running a fine line here because Joel Joel Embiid is so good right now. He's so good right now that I just can't imagine going to like not going to get that guy help given his injury past and not knowing how this is going to go long term essentially with him and then the other side of it i actually would like ben simmons fit in brooklyn you don't want to score you don't shoot in the games great kevin durant and and Kyrie have no problem doing that for you like he's he's a good complimentary piece that will still rise up the level of play too defensively moving the ball late kind of be that positional mismatch on both sides of the court that that piece of it works now does does Harden work in Philadelphia you're kind of selling out a little bit to what you're saying for right here right now and and we don't really know long term or the next season or two what James Harden's gonna look like well here's the other thing too that is weird about the James Harden Joel Embiid fit James Harden loves to kind of pound the ball into the ground and loves to run ball screens particularly like he needs a ball screen to be at his utmost effectiveness this isn't to say Joel Embiid can't be a great ball screen partner with James Harden but like that's not really what Joel Embiid does like it's not his game really like he's a mid post guy he's a face up guy he's a post up guy whenever he has a mismatch right like I even don't love the schematic fit on the court. And it doesn't surprise me that Daryl Morey is going to like would prefer to go down this route either because in general Daryl Morey has taken a, you know, stars and minimums approach to roster building, right? Mm-hmm. Like he thinks that the biggest marginal inefficiencies in the NBA basically are the best players because there's a salary maximum that you can pay and those best players drastically exceed what they are paid in terms of value and then the minimum guys who you can sign and get reasonable you know approximation of value for players that you're paying potentially five million dollars if you get those signings right they just tend to be higher variance signings so I understand what Daryl Morey and his philosophy is. I understand the idea. I just disagree with this one, I guess, is where I'm at. Like, I, it's, I, I really firmly disagree with him if he takes Joel and, or takes Ben Simmons into this offseason and then tries to move him for James Harden. And may, maybe. You know, he's leaking these things. Maybe exactly. people around that him was, are leaking that was these my next things. Point. How much of this smoke you know? to drive up either the cost or, or drive up the panic from teams like maybe Sacramento or Atlanta to say, hey, we got to move fast because he's about to move somebody else to, to get another piece. Yep. It could be, could be that. He's played chess this whole time, not checkers. So it, yep. I wouldn't put it past him either if this is just kind of like the the Citizens Bank past and the departed and trying to just throw everybody off of, of what he's actually planning to do he's smart he started the yeah. sloan sports conference this is not uh not his first rodeo so i, I think he knows <laughs> deep down what the direction he's going to take i think it's that and i think again like he, he might 
under like he might if they don't get an offer, he might take them into the offseason or take Ben into the offseason and might want to prime the fan base for that. Because I cannot imagine that the Philadelphia fan base, uh, long known for its <laughs> yeah. rational so understanding. Uh, calmness. Yeah. Yeah. Booing would Santa be Claus. super <laughs> Yeah, would be super pleased if Ben Simmons is still on this roster come like February fifteenth or whatever. So right. we'll see. Um just found that report bizarre and wanted yeah. to talk about it a little bit. Let's move on to another report that I found a little bit bizarre. <laughs> um, the Shaden Sharp report mm. definitely caught me by surprise in terms of. Look, when did you when did you learn initially that Shaden Sharp could be eligible for the NBA draft? Uh I'm not trying to be a hardo here, but months ago. No, I know, yeah. Because it it was um, – how do I put this? It was like the worst kept and best kept secret down there. Like all the media people kind of knew. Nobody wanted to speak up and really put it on record or, or do anything like that. But like those rumblings were there just based on the timeline of his quote-unquote graduation and age and, and him – there's not a lot of guys who go to school early with the intention of then staying. So when he said he was enrolling in January, people started grumbling behind the scenes saying, mm, maybe this is a thing for him to try to get eligible to be passed through. So I was taken aback at kind of the timing of when it rolled out, but not necessarily right. the announcement. Yeah. So I'd kind of been told that this could be a thing in December. Right. And I... I've kind of not ranked Shaden Sharp for a the reason that he has said like he's going to Kentucky for the second year. Mm-hmm. Kyle Tucker um, in the story that I wrote with Kyle Tucker, he talked to Shaden Sharp's mom, and Shaden Sharp's mom said, "Hey, you know, our plan is to or you know asked a very pointed question about staying in Kentucky for a second season, and she said, "Yep, that's the plan." Right. So that's still his plan uh additionally i've gotten enough like questions from nba scouts and like executives and people about what the timeline actually is in terms of his graduation uh kyle in the story that we wrote talked to kyle weaver who Mm -hmm. was his coach uh in arizona this past year kyle weaver told kyle tucker (laughs) that uh the shaden finished his classes in the summer High Which school, high school classes. Finished right. his high school classes in the yep. summer. So he's technically post grad playing this last season at Dream City to start the year because he played the season before he enrolled at Kentucky. He started and played a few games. So did he graduate? Was he a post grad? Like is could, that could like be. how he was I, I designated? I'm like a, I'm not a transcript master, yeah. but he could be. There's a, there's a lot of guys that do that that do graduate and play their fifth year, and you don't have to technically right. finish that year of quote-unquote school because you have your diploma so the season ends and then you go home or you enroll in college or whatever that may be so there is some murkiness about his kind of quote timeline of, of eligibility too uh it's it's tough because this is how i look at it with the announcement that he made right and and we've kind of been all over the place on, on draft boards and where to place them just how hesitant are you even to put them anywhere like anywhere in the top 10 because Somebody tweeted this. I, I think it was uh, Stephen Gillespie. I, I can't remember. But he kind of said, like, if we just went off numbers alone, what would Jaden Hardy have been prior to this season? We probably yeah. would have put him fifth, right? 
but it's but it's I, true I, because it's it's hard for Shaden who a, a year year and a half ago this was an outside the top 100 kid all right and and he's gotten a lot better he put in a ton of work he started sunrise christian he transferred to dream city he had this uh enormous blow up last season he was great on the uibl it was the covid year so not a lot of people saw him and then when scouts and people actually got back in the gym it was like holy smokes like this is a thing because he yeah. he has a great body he has a great frame he gets up and down the court he can fly off the ground he has the runway to do it and then he starts shooting it a lot better like sidestep threes step back threes pulling up in transition so it, it does pass the initial look test but i'm just I, i'm not ready to say if he comes out and doesn't play games he's going to be top five pick because not even just Jaden hardy think the guys from last draft that we had in the top five in the preseason before we saw him play a college game bj boston jalen johnson zaire williams those guys have all taken kind of unconditional pass and some of them have already figured it out but then we saw him play a few college games it, it wasn't the same guy we saw in high school right so uh, Shaden sharp could be that good i really hope anyway from like a scout's perspective that he plays in games whether it's this year or next year because i'm all for kids if they want to come out of high school they should have that ability to do it but as an evaluator it's a lot easier for me to say how he's going to project if he plays at that next level before the nba unless you're a total freak show who's like six nine lebron james like kevin garnett yeah it's going to yeah. work but for the majority of the rest of the guys who could still be the highest level superstars i'm just i don't want to sign off on it until i see a little bit more yeah and before before we get into the scouting because i have a take on the whole Jaden hardy thing um yeah, i got a few <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> the eligibility thing, the report from John Gavoni, who, look, I'm sure John has some sort of inclination here that Shaden Sharp is going to be eligible because John's really good at this, right? Like, I, I don't, yeah. cer- I certainly don't mean to cash shots at John when I say this, but there, there is a difference in terms of like reporting. Shaden Sharp is eligible for the 2022 draft. And what John actually reported, which is Shaden Sharp can apply for the 2022 NBA draft. And the reason for that designation is that Shaden Sharp uh, like, has not applied for the NBA draft, and the NBA itself does not actually look into these transcripts, into draft eligibility from players with these like murky questions regarding you know, their situations mm-hmm. until a player actually applies for the draft. Because, you know, again, Shaden Sharp... His mom literally told Kyle Tucker that the plan is still to go to Kentucky next year, right? Yeah. So there's Things not change, really a reason yes. for the NBA to look into this yet, right? Yet. If yeah. he applies, the NBA will look into it, and there will be a you know a robust you know figuring out of the transcript situation of everything, right? Right. Um, in terms of his scouting. I cannot see a world where he gets out of the top 10. I, I just can't. Like, I, look, he I, might not go in the top five. I cannot see a world where if he does not play a minute of basketball, Kentucky, that he doesn't go in the top 10. And, and the crazy part about it is, is for people that are around him and know him, if you get him, and his agents will be smart. I have no idea whose reputation is. They'll get him in one no workouts, and he'll fly into cities and work out. And he's going to test like a freak. Like he's going to jump out of the building. He's going to yep. shoot it really well in an empty gym. Uh, I had somebody ask me, how, how do you look in warm-ups for 
against Auburn. I don't like great. I don't know how. How do you and I look in warm ups? So, like we look fantastic, right? Nobody's guarding us. You can right. go up, do some crazy dunks, do step throughs. He'll hit some weird threes. He's got a great body. He's going to be in even better shape when he's working out there. So I, I get your reasoning of he's not good outside the top ten. But if I'm in the top ten as an NBA team, like I need production for the most part. I, I kind of need some help. Uh, if I'm a general manager, like I don't. I'm just I'm just scared for a, a guy who hasn't played a, a college game to to draft him. Whereas overseas guys, they play higher levels of A and B divisions. College guys play the best of the best. G League ignite. They're playing against pros. Guys are filtering in and out. If, if you're good enough, bad enough. But if Shaden Sharp doesn't play, I, I get he'll be outside the top ten. I don't say buyer beware, but just do your research. He, it, it's a it's a long process. He's been this tier of talent for not that long. Everyone says he's a worker. Uh, I, I get the the physical tools. I get the self creation. It, it's the type of archetype that NBA guys search for. Uh, but it's correct. Yeah, it's it's not a exact thing. It's not an exact thing where I he's in and I had like five or six people text me right. Where, where do you have him on your board? I, I don't know. Like I don't even know where to slot him in right now. So here here's what I would say to that. Um, Part of why he is so highly thought of is in regard to the scouting. He is exactly what evaluators are looking for for the mm-hmm. NBA. He is six foot six. He has long arms. He's explosive as hell. And particularly, he can get to his pull up game at a very high level. Uh, I believe that I, I, I can't pull up the numbers for whatever reason because the athletic website is being a bit funky for me right now. Okay. But he. I believe led Peach Jam in pull-up scoring and did so on very high-level efficiency in terms of pull-up And he was over 40% from three. He was like 43% or something like that during the Peach Jam. Again, a small small sample, but it shows kind of where he was as a kid who wasn't playing, has a breakout season in the grind session out in Arizona with Dream City, gets on the UIBL and backs up all the other stuff. So like there there is like signs of that trajectory that he's on. And on top of that, he also finished at an elite level. Like, he finished at the basket in half-court settings at the same level Kyle Filipowski did, mm-hmm. who is going to Duke as a six foot eleven center who is immensely skilled. Penny knows Kyle Filipowski's game well, having been in the Boston, you know, North New England area, let's say. Yeah, seen him plenty um, of times live. Right, and... Kyle Filipowski, very, very gifted high school basketball center. Yeah, um, he's also a good defender. Like, Shaden Sharp is a good on-ball defender mm-hmm. when he's engaged. He plays hard. I have no fucking idea what he's going to look like off the ball. Like, let's just be real about it. We just don't know because like, he's not been asked to do that. Mm-hmm. But all of these tools are what NBA teams look for. High-level pull-up shooting, which is something that Jaden Hardy has never been great at in terms of efficiency he's always gotten to the shots well but he's never knocked them down at a level that goes beyond volume scorer yes Jaden hardy has never defended like Jaden sharp defends correct no and can't finish at the level Shaden sharp does like i think Shaden sharp is a drastically better prospect than Jaden hardy but again i'm someone who had Jaden hardy at like 10 coming into the year but that's so, like the point. i but, was but, but that's the point though like he would be 10th Right, maybe Shaden Sharp would have been fifth. Hardy would be tenth, but then they played, and now Hardy, 
I think for us and, and people could yell at us more like the 20 ish range. Like he went down 10 spots. Yeah. So if Sharp is that, I, I don't know if he's going to be as inefficient as Jaden Hardy has been, but if he plays and like there was a time in the Kentucky Auburn game where Ty Ty Washington is out, Severe Wheeler gets destroyed by a screen, and you wonder. I was waiting for Kyle Party to look down the end of the bench, give the Shaden Sharp oh. signal, pull off the sweats. And he's in, but we didn't have that. We didn't have that luxury. So, like, we, we still just don't know. But we there's know. just there's just no way. Because, like, here's the other thing. There should be no way. What, but but he, yeah. was, he was in street. He was not in street clothes. He, he was in Kentucky warm-up. So he might have done the thing where he right. takes off the warm-up and he had, like, a T-shirt on and not his jersey yet. But he looked the part. I, I will give him that. So, like, here's the other thing. Kyle Tucker, his sources around Kentucky, talked to the sources around Kentucky. Prior to that game, Shaden Sharp had not gone through like a full speed practice mm-hmm. from right. what we gather. Yep. Um, had largely just done walkthroughs, was getting acclimated to Lexington, was getting acclimated to college, everything like that. It would have been like blatantly irresponsible to put Shaden Sharp in that game. I don't even think Auburn, that's, I, I don't even think that's the term. It, it was a it was a loony bin. It was a madhouse on steroids. I, I tweeted about it, it was a party disguise an sc basketball game if that was your first taste of college basketball i don't care what level of prospect you are i don't care where you are as draft boards that was intimidating man it was i was a fan and i was intimidated like i can't imagine being on the floor and actually playing no absolutely not so there was just no way he was going to put him in there um what this comes down to for me is if shade and sharp is going to go to the 2022 nba draft Mm -hmm. there's no way he should play there's just no way. There's uh, no I agree. Agree. No benefit, benefit mm-hmm. to him playing. We've seen this with James Wiseman. We've seen it with other players like this. Anthony Simons went in the first round. Thon mm-hmm. Maker went top ten. Like scouts are willing to let these guys not play and take the gamble. On top of that, here is the biggest. Like, if he is before we get to that. If he is planning on going back to Kentucky for next year, mm-hmm. I think it would be valuable for him to play. Like, get oh, acclimated absolutely. to college. Yeah, right. You know, f- figure out everything, right? Like, it would be really good. So, here's the thing. The 2022 NBA draft. I'm going to read you names. Oh, boy. Who's going to go Would you take Shaden Sharp? Uh, I'm always bad at this. Is the I, game I think here. we did this last time post-tournament. Johnny Juzang, I ended up taking him 25th. So, go ahead. Fire would you take Shaden Sharp or Patrick Baldwin? Ay, ay, ay. Pass. It's I don't not, know. That's not a hard question. It's I, not. You want me to say Shaden Sharp. I get it. Shaden Sharp. Okay. I, I'm higher on Baldwin than most. I still have him like 10th or 11th, but Shaden Sharp. So that, that, that's probably would, your answer. Like, you don't have to say right. another name. So he's going knife. Right? Uh, worst would, for me. Would you take Kendall Brown or Shaden Sharp? No, I'd take Shaden Sharp. Yep. Would you take... Uh, Jalen Duran or no, Shaden Sharp. Sharp? Yeah, not a huge turn. Would you guy. take Ty Ty Washington or Shaden Sharp? That's, you know that answer. Shaden Sharp. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Would you take Blake Wesley or Shaden Sharp? I think I still go. As much as I've I've waved the Blake Wesley flag and driven that train, I think I would go Shaden Sharp. Right. Would you take AJ Griffin or Shaden Sharp? Shaden Sharp. <laughs> but you're listing Would, for me. You're listing like ten. You're but, listing like ten through sixteen for me. Right. So, so the here, one is like what I gonna, take. What I take like Keegan Murray or Shaden Sharp. That's the right, one where it's that's like. That's where I was getting next. All right. Would idiot. you take like, Ben Mather or Shaden Sharp? Yeah, 
probably shouldn't sharp. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, this is because, like you're, you're painting me in a corner. Like there's no way for me to get out of this thing. I I, I get it. I understand, <laughs> but it doesn't mean I can't be like scared out of my mind. Right? Oh, I am like too. Ben, like Ben Mapper, we we got a, a couple seasons of tape. I don't know if he can self-create. I have no idea. He's great coming off screens. Right. I don't know if he can do anything in the mid-range. No clue. But we've got like 60 games plus NBA Global Academy plus high school stuff. Shane Sharp, we have yep. Dream City Christian tape. Uh, we have uh, EYBL. <laughs> we have Midwest Mania with Made Hoops. It, it's not the same. It's not the same barometer. Like no. if he does this in the SEC and comes out with – like Oshai Baji had a great game last night. And we've kind of called this all year since the Champions Classic, whatever. But it's like you had the – progression you saw the good the bad and you saw where this is going if Shane Sharp comes out next year and has three games where he's absolutely dominant we say yeah great we're gonna slot him fifth there's Victor Wembayama there's Scoot Henderson there's the Thompsons there's him fine no no problem doing with that but it's really really like shakes me to my core that I'm gonna take a kid fifth who I, I just don't even know how it works in the structure of a college game or a G League game right here right now I totally get that. I'm with you. I could not I could not agree with you more. It is an enormous risk. It's an enormous like high variance situation. Here's the thing. If Ben Matherin hits, what, what do we think Ben Matherin is? Right. Like a right. top 75 right. player in the league? Yeah, Something if Shane, like that? If, if, Shane, if Shane Chard hits, he's going to be an all-star. That, that's the thing. The, the, but does he hit? I don't know. If All right, I, I'm going to throw another one at you. If he didn't play in college, where does Imani Bates get drafted? He didn't play at Memphis. If he was draft eligible. Oh, he's not going to the top seven. There's no way, no way. And if, I know, Imani, I, oh, if he wouldn't if have played, him, at let's Memphis. just say Imani was in this situation, right? He didn't play the yeah. season at all at Memphis. He was just draft eligible. He's on the bench, going to draft. I don't think he gets outside of seven. If you had to draft him no. right now, you'd probably be talking late first round at best. And I, I'm I'm trying to be fair here because he struggled, yeah. right? And then he played uh, basketball and in a good league and saw different defenses and coverages and. That's why I'm hesitant. Like, this guy was supposed to be everything. He could still get there. But even, like, a lot of media people are tempering expectations now, saying we gave him too much. He's got to build back up. He still has his strong suits. So that's why, like, I I put Shaden Sharp in that bucket. Not because I think they're the same skill-wise or or that was what was thought of them, but there needs to be proof. There needs to be tape. He he could be awesome. He could be an all-star. He could not be a a, a guy that starts. Who knows? It's uh, the great unknown, as we call it. So, like, I get the point with Imani, but you're also talking to someone who, like, two years ago did a podcast with our good friend Brian Snow, who now works at Penn State, obviously. Mm. And shout out Brian Snow. But, like, I laid out all of my concerns with Imani Bates then. That was, the, that, was the, that was the podcast before I came on. I was on, like, an elliptical right. machine, like, listening to it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm getting into here. This guy is though, – though I did agree with you, I was like, this yeah. is uh, – a little counterculture to the basketball world that's going out outside around me. So like from a tools perspective, the problem was just from a tools perspective with Imani, right? Like great pull up shooter, but he's six foot nine with a six foot nine wingspan. And that's always been the case, right? And he's exceptionally skinny and doesn't have a great frame. Shaden Sharp doesn't really have those physical limitations that Imani Bates does, which I think is going to make it even easier to sell to yeah. nba teams that this could work i guess that, that's kind of just where i'm at on this like yeah. i think it's a different i think shaden sharp is a different situation than like hamadou diallo than imani bates than Jaden hardy certainly uh, look like i've just never gotten 
that totally, I guess. Um, so like, it's hard for me to have that conversation. I know that there are people who really like Jaden Hardy and, yeah. and liked him coming into the year. I, I just like, wasn't totally there. Um, but we'll see. We'll see with Shade and Sharp. I, I will be fascinated to see if Kentucky plays him. Um, it certainly seems like that language is softening. Uh, I think that John Calipari may have said yesterday, like, if he's ready and I feel like he's ready, I'll put him in. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I give I credit know. to Coach Calipari, too, because he said post game because that was one of the first questions that reporters asked because Kentucky played a really good first half. They are taking care of the ball. They were slowing down Auburn well. He hit some injuries. He needs some guards. They didn't have a lot of creators. Shaden Sharp creates, and Coach Calipari said he wasn't ready. I, I promised it to his family. I promised it to him, the people around him. I wasn't going to put him in if he wasn't ready. If we have to lose on the road a, a game against a team that's now number one in the country, so be it. But his progression is, is more important to me than, than winning a single game. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to go from Shaden Sharp to that uh, hashtag Penny Field Trip, baby. Field trip. Where we're going to Kentucky and Auburn. We'll be right back. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a gold mine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for Nord VPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions, just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory.
Okay, so while uh, while we've been recording, uh, uh, what I miss. So according to Pat Forty, it's Sports Illustrated. Uh, men's basketball coach at Louisville, Chris Mack, his future at Louisville is being discussed by school leadership and could result in a change, but nothing has been finalized as of now. Trustees and athletics board meeting tomorrow. Mack radio show canceled. Mm. That's a bad report for someone looking to keep their job. Not great. The radio show gets canceled. That's the that's the real writing on the wall. Yeah. Um, we. I don't know. Do we want to? No. This is <laughs> going. Right, let, let it happen. Just, just, can we just let it happen first? Yeah. I mean, look. This is going that way. Table it. Let's maybe table it. I don't know, let's maybe wait until next week oh, before that. we. That uh, sounds good. This is NBA yeah. draft podcast. Let's 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 wait until next week, maybe, on the Chris Mack stuff, and we'll do a post mortem on why this has failed so spectacularly. But we'll we'll wait until then. Um, may, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Um, okay. Kentucky Auburn hashtag Penny Field trip. Uh, you did. G League Ignite, then yep. Kentucky Auburn, yep. then OTE first. Correct. Let's do Kentucky Auburn first because I know, and this is going to be your, this is going to be your show here. We're, we're we're handing off the reins, baby. This is a this is a Matt Penny experience. I, I want to hear. I about need some moderation. Kentucky, though. I, I need you to like at least guide me in the right direction. I can wax. I'll, I'll explain if if we start <laughs> going too deep. Um, okay. So. Kentucky Auburn, you yeah. texted me like when you got to the game, you were like, I made a mistake not going to an SEC school. U- UMass Twitter, please the- earmuffs it. The, the people on UMass Twitter are very passionate about UMass, and I am too. Uh, unbelievable experience. Yeah. I'd say no regrets, but my regret is not going to the SEC because <laughs> I, I got there at like 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning. I don't know. You get the time change driving from Atlanta. So I, I get to Auburn. I go downtown. It's a college town. I'm just walking around. Uh, I, I got to a restaurant at like 11 in the morning. I had a piece of salmon and uh, a soft drink. And it cost me $15. I said, I love this place. Yeah, In Boston, that's what like the side dressing costs. And then I, I get there and I walk up to the arena and there's tents everywhere. All students had, had camped out. And I don't know, I'd say half hour, 45 minutes before game time. It was packed. I mean, it was, it was jammed to the gills. It was standing room only. Uh, I had a seat in the last row of the lower bowl with like my back up against the the crowd, I guess. And there's like standing room only, like people like right behind, like barking the whole game. So it was uh, it was quite the scene. Uh, I was just I've been to SEC games. I, I saw LSU football. I've been to Florida. I've been around, but I know it had a different feel. As this is a team that felt slighted, they weren't number one in the country. They they have the evil empire of Kentucky coming to town and Kentucky always gets everybody's Super Bowl every single game they do yep. uh, and, and they showed up the Auburn fans just showed up in droves and it was um, it was a madhouse absolute madhouse like it, it got so loud on made baskets that on either side I there's no way they were able to communicate schemes or, or offenses <laughs> or, or set calls it was just playing basketball okay so let's dive into the prospect stuff uh, yeah. Jabari Smith, you've now seen Jabari Smith live in college. Uh, yes. You'd already seen him many times in high school. But let's um, let's dive deep into what you saw from Jabari Smith here. Jabari Smith is the number one pick in the draft. 
Uh, I I love Chet Holmgren. I've been close with with those two guys. I think the Alabama game is really when we saw it on both ends from Jabari. Like this is this is a Mm -hmm. different tier level of prospect. With Jabari in this game, it was the effortless shooting mechanics are one thing, but the release is so high that even when a guy closes out in challenges, he's getting a shot off over the top of you, and his balance and footwork is so good that when he incorporates that jab step and gets just like a little bit of space and, and he's feeling it like forget about it like he, he, he's gonna hit that knock down the shot and and do even more I, I think in time like the auburn fans behind me were screaming at him every time he touched the ball like shoot it shoot it stop passing it like the first half people were texting me tweeting at me saying can you get bruce pearl to get jabari smith more touches because when he touches the <laughs> ball good things happen and they used him a lot on sort of those dribble handoff sets or they'd like clear it aside. He'd do like that ghost screen action, then then have a whole side. When the NBA court gets bigger and he's able to shoot more and, and show those skills and, and tightens up the drives a little bit, he could still get stripped when he puts the ball on the ground. But I was enthused as a as a prospect because of everything he does. There's still like these kind of missing pieces where like he's in the right position. He has a mean streak to get rebounds, but just like he's bumped off his base a little bit. Like you put a few more pounds of muscle like on his lower half and he's able to hold his ground his rebounds are going to go up he's going to score more confidently in the post but the the way the guy plays and shoots and, and does it within the flow of the offense and they can grab and go and go full court and catch dunks and pick and roll he he's just a he's a spectacular prospect yeah i mean he had those he had like a series of three plays in the first half where he Attacked a closeout with like a two dribble pound dribble to the like elbow slash like foul line. Pump faked Keon Brooks. Keon oh, Brooks flew the, by. Oh, yeah. That was the pump. He flies by and then hits the jumper. Yeah, ridiculous. Hits the jumper. Yeah. Then like two possessions later, comes down, catches the ball on the right wing again, takes one dribble, step back, pull up over the top of like two extended hands, mm-hmm. like in his face, off balance, like just totally ridiculous. And then the third thing was he catches jab steps from the left wing, like right before the end of the first half. Keon Brooks, like, kind of takes that minor step back. He recognizes that he has the area to shoot and then just knocks it down right in Keon's face yeah. again, contested. It's just like, what the fuck? Forget about it. Here? Yeah. Like, the, the jump shot is it's such a weapon. It's so ridiculous. I will say, like, that game did accentuate, I think, some of the questions I have about him as a half-court ball handler. Sure. I, like, I don't think that he is capable of taking... Like, I don't think he's capable of, like, ball handling in a phone booth. Right? No, not like, yet. I, I just don't think he's there. I think yet. he turned it and over the first, okay. f- first play of the game, I think, with, with that. Turn his back, put the ball down, and it's a turnover. It's like that. that's what's haunted him since I remember that play against UConn and the battle for Atlantis. Like he's been doing yep. that sort of for a while. That piece hasn't developed. Uh, everything, and that's okay. Like yeah, we're, that, we're, that, that's we're being it too. nitpicky. Very more nitpicky than on the, the, uh, a player we think is one and his floor is, is yes. two in the draft. So it, it's just kind of nitpicking yeah. a guy who's going to be really special, but what level is how much the rest of can round out to kind of get him there. Okay. Time for a new segment oh, on the yeah. show. This was – do you do you remember who was who suggested this? I don't remember off the top of my head. I, I saw which it, one of our and I was kind of hoping this. that you didn't see it, but you texted me like immediately. I'm like, I am, I am bound by this now. It's beautiful. It's such a good idea. Please um, add us. 
uh, on Twitter. Oh, no. Penny will see it because he doesn't have his notifications muted. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> I might see it. We'll see. Um, but please, and we'll shout you out on the next podcast, um, whoever sent us this, because it's a great idea. So it's Penny's Primo Prospect of the Week. It's the Triple P's. Obviously a joke on Matt Penny's love of Josh Primo. And we're going to talk here about someone in this game. Penny's Primo Prospect. And the, and the Primo Prospect, the way that we're interpreting that, is a little bit undervalued. Right, like not necessarily a, a consensus top twenty-ish guy, a little yeah. bit off the might even path. be a pre-draft guy. I like that pre-draft, which is good because we have what about twenty-five weeks till the uh, the draft. So if I miss on twenty-three of them, might, I'll might just circle a, back to the wins, retweet it, and say like, "Yeah, told you." Here's the, the dirt. might be a bi-weekly segment. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I hope so. <laughs> uh, my guy's Walker Kessler. He was fantastic. Walker Kessler. I loved that of high school. He was like a top 10-ish recruit, went to North Carolina. I didn't love the fit. I didn't think he looked like himself last year. And, and he had sort of this two- to three-week stretch where it was like, that's the Walker Kessler. He's rebounding. He shot like 70% from the field. It was a very crowded front court in North Carolina. He hits the transfer market. He says he's going to Auburn. And I didn't know if the fit would work because – the way Auburn plays with their guards, and it, it's different this year, but with, with Wendell Green and, and with Katie Johnson, it's very frantic pace, and they press, and they run. And I'm like, I don't know how Walker Kessler is, is going to do this and how he's going to fit. He's just embodied what Bruce Pearl wants as a five-man. He protects the rim. He, he's top three, if I don't think he's first right now, in block shots. He's right there nationally. Uh, so he's an eraser by the rim. He rebounds, secures the ball, outlets, and then he runs if the, if the point guards then slow it down. He was killing Kentucky with high ball screens. Severe Wheeler got hit with a legal, absolute body blow, and Oscar Sheba, you got to call it your screens. I know people said that forever. But he sets these big screens. He rolls. The tag man wasn't hitting him. He was just kind of like all alone. So they would throw it by the rim. He's got really good hands. He would just like tap it in and dunk it uh the thing yeah I, I don't i don't mean disrespect to severe wheeler necessarily but like most of kessler's points came as a result of wheeler either not getting screens called out for him not navigating the screen well or in the first half particularly near the end of the first half auburn ran two or three straight sets that i sent you a photo of where they oh, yeah, particularly yeah. put Katie Johnson in the corner, ran like an Alan Flanagan ball screen, and emptied out one side of the court, and were essentially putting pressure on Severe Wheeler to remember to tag Walker Kessler on the backside, and he just like didn't do it. Yeah. And that's why Kessler kept getting these wide-open dunks. So, well, I mean, you know, Kentucky needs to work with Severe Wheeler on that side of like off-ball defense. He's a very aggressive point of attack defender. He's not like a useless defender. I don't mean that necessarily. It's just that they need to work with him on the on like team defensive schemes, I think. And the, the NBA scouts I've talked to, too, they're impressed by the mobility, improved mobility of Walker Kessler. They're impressed by how he's getting up and down the court. Obviously, the hands, uh, finishes out of the dunker spot, rebounds. The thing that will unlock it all is he was like a trailing shooting big in high school. He would still do everything else, but he had a reputation to shoot. 
he's uh, I don't have it right in front of me. I think he's like four for twenty seven from three this year, like eighteen yep. percent. That's not who he is. Like if he gets the volume up, the shot's okay. It's a little bit off the right shoulder. It, it's a little hitchy. Yeah. But if he gets back to that high school guy with the interior development and the mean streak that he has with the length, with the soft hands, he's better than – I think I have him at like 38 right now. He's better than that. He should be end of the first round for, I would say, almost anybody. I don't know if he – his aspirations, if he's going to declare or whatever, but a guy that I don't think I've taken seriously enough as a potential prospect for this year's draft that could make an impact potentially as like a fifth starter – they don't run anything for him. They'll hit him in the high post, and, and he's a pretty good interior passer. But they don't run yeah. like straight-up post plays for him. But he made his impact felt almost every possession that he's on the court. So I'll be honest. I think Walker Kessler has been the most valuable player in the SEC during conference play so far this year. Um, you look at his numbers. He didn't start super well in non-conference play. Right. Like, I, I don't – think that given that like half of the season you know has been non-conference play or like a third of the season has been non-conference play i don't know that there's like a case for him as an all-american yet but it's coming since december 14th mm-hmm. walker kessler has averaged 14 points eight rebounds and five blocks while shooting 73 percent from the field oh yeah he, do- he doesn't miss by the rim he doesn't like if you when get it right there when he's on the court, the numbers are crazier in terms of like impact. Mm-hmm. When he's on the court, Auburn's defense is nine point one possessions per or nine point one points per one hundred possessions better than when he's off the court. Uh, in SEC play, Auburn Auburn's opponents take five percent fewer shots around the basket when he's on the court versus when he's off the court because they just don't they don't even go in there as often. They're just not as willing to even try him. Uh, you know, teams are shooting 47% at the basket in half court settings when Walker Kessler is on the court. Like it is insane what his value is. Him and Christian Coloco right now are the two best college basketball defenders in the country. Like there is, I don't really even see like a debate between anyone else, to be honest at the moment. Like he, Auburn is like running up and down the court and they play like a frenetic aggressive style where Katie Johnson is like upping guys shit and Mm -hmm. constantly like playing over aggressive, hyper aggressive Walker Kessler is the guy that unlocks that. That's that's totally what it is. Those guys and those guards can take those chances and and bail out and dive out of plays because they know he's on the backside and if he's not, oh yeah, here's Jabari Smith waiting for you too, who's also like a shot right. blocker. It can also and like, he's a good defender as exactly. well. Exactly, moves his feet, can cut guys off. He can switch, and, and Jabari Smith's fine switching. Walker Kessler can switch and then recover and get back. Like there was a yeah. few plays where he was screened out of the high ball screen, and he was a step behind. But his length is so long that like he would still catch up, either block the shot or alter it. When most guys, when they're beat with a step, it's like forget about it. Somebody's got to rotate. It's a basket. It's a kick out. Here's a three in the corner. We're screwed screwed he still made the the offense pay and it's like you think the one's behind you you go up and then it goes off the backboard it's like yeah i'm in trouble uh that's that's kind of the the guy i thought he would be coming out of high school i'm glad he's starting to unlock it now so i'll be honest like in in the minutes he played by the end of last year at north carolina like you saw a lot of this like he, a lot, not, you, not, you the, not the fully actualized, like, but a lot. He he was better than not playing 
through the beginning of the year. Yeah. No question. He's gotten and he's gotten much better. Like he is clearly taking the summer and improved drastically. I, I if you're North Carolina, you got some regrets, I think. We all like have regrets got, in life. You got some real not. regrets that you played. <laughs> that's wonderful. You got some real yeah. regrets that you played Garrison Brooks three times as many possessions as you played Walker Kessler last year. Yeah. Like, Was he like preseason all first team ACC or something, though? We, we don't all, all have the luxury of Trevion Williams being first team all Big Ten and then benching him. We, we can't all do that. We're not all Purdue. So Those Garrison Brooks. Garrison Brooks put up a lot of points playing next to Cole Anthony. And I think that people got real excited about him coming into the year. That doesn't mean he was. Yeah, and look, you're, you're, you're going to lean on your seniors for the, for the most part, at, at least early. They leaned on him yeah. a little bit longer. And then when Walker had more time and opportunity to play, he was good in flashes. I, I just. Um, He's pretty good in flashes. Yeah. In I, flashes. I, 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 don't, I'm I don't mean to I'm say happy for like. Him, but now the flashes are extended. Like he's on the yeah. floor for eight minutes. He had six minutes of flashes as opposed to maybe the two or three you'd have at North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm saying Walker Kessler maybe should have played, you know, 18 minutes a night yeah. as opposed to eight minutes a night last year. That's like fair. that's. I'm, I'm not saying that like he should have been like the guy at North Carolina, but maybe play a little bit more. And he ends up staying at North Carolina and you have a good team this year. Yeah. Um, okay. I have Walker Kessler at 31 on my board. I'm like even that. higher than you are. Yeah. I haven't done the update, but he, he'll be around there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hashtag penny field trip continues. Let's go G league ignite. Let's have a G league ignite uh, conversation now with what you've seen. So you got to see, one of Jaden Hardy's better games this year. I don't know sure. if that's a good thing, but you got to see a positive game from Jaden Hardy. The following game, he went 0 for 11. Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's it, rough. It was, Continue, though. Penny field trip. I thought it was good because I didn't have a, a box score during the game. The G League website, the stats actually weren't loading in real time. So I was just taking stats without really stat watching. And then if you yeah. go back after the game, Jaden Hardy had 29 points. Not that I had no idea. I thought he had like around 20 in the last few minutes he scored. Let's start, let's start positive. He can get a shot whenever he wants. He does. He has that craft yeah. off the dribble where, where he can create. He comes off dribble handoffs where he can pull it off. It's like six dribbles when it should be three. But the, the kid knows how to get a shot off. When his body is square and his feet are set, he shoots a clean basketball. He does. He has high arc, a lot of rotation. He finishes high. It, it's hard to stop. His problem is he takes some wild ones. He, he's off balance. It's one foot. He There was a play in the game. He had a wide open three. He, no one's there. He hesitated, like took a step in and shot it like over two guys. He, he just doesn't necessarily process it in real time as quick as I would like him to, and he makes the game more difficult for himself, becoming that volume guy. And when he turned it on the second half, they were losing. They were down like 10 or 15, so he was just kind of like filling it up quickly. You saw a little bit of it. He got in the lane. He like pivoted, jumped opposite, finished the right, hit a couple yeah. threes. He, he has good footwork and really good length around the basket. Very good. And, and he wants to shoot. It's just he doesn't really make the right reads out of pick and roll. And he's an easy scout right now. You know he's shooting. You know he wants to shoot. If he passes, and, and some of the clips you're starting to see – around twitter of like oh look at this passing read yeah he's triple teamed and like has to throw it in the middle of the lane it wasn't like he did it because like oh here's my vision and like i looked opposite like dyson daniels does half the game i just don't 
he's a scorer. He is. I don't know how it looks in a team construct of an NBA where you're not going to get 18 shots a night. You're not going to come in as a rookie and get that. Yeah. If it's some Cam Thomas stuff, who I had at 20 last year, who's probably better than that, I think Cam's like a little bit better, even more efficient of a scorer, which is like nutty to say. But I, I made some missteps in my evaluation of Cam Thomas, so I, I still want to wait on Jaden Hardy, like the offense is good, the defense needs work too. Like away from the ball is not good. He dies when he hits screens. Like he doesn't work to to get around them. He gets some cheap fouls and reach ins. It's not. I know people want to see the thirty point games that are better. You can see he's more confident, but I, I'm not totally there yet. Is hey, we were off like having him nineteen. He should be ninth. Like, I, I still think that's that's probably like a safer range where I'd have him right now. Yeah, I've got him like it. 20 to 22 something like that that's fine um i'd be happy to take a flyer on on him in the first round because i agree with you the shot creation is real um he can get separation it's just what happens once that separation comes um the 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 decision making is bad Mm -hmm. it's just bad like there's not another way to really frame it unfortunately right now um Turns it over a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he has a negative turnover ratio. Yep. Uh, the shot selection, it just makes him exceptionally inefficient. Yeah. Look, these guys, you know, as I've kind of said previously, these guys can flip the switch sometimes. And once they figure out, you know, and figure out all the reads and everything, they can become very good. Yeah. I think he's a couple years away from that point at this stage uh, I, I do too um, it, it probably has to be the right developmental system that knows what he is and, and squeezes out all the good stuff and, and pushes away all the bad let's go to Dyson Daniels Marjan Beauchamp Michael Foster where do you want to go next uh, let's go Dyson Daniels because I was most impressed by watching him in person the reason I say that is he's big he's six seven six eight he's he's a a, a big yeah. guard so to say and for for what it's worth i believe i've been told he is six six without shoes okay so we're we're in the same ballpark i think yeah. watching i'm not trying to do a lazy comp here I, I think watching josh giddy this year is like open my eyes a little bit more to to bigger guards that don't necessarily have the jump shot fully developed yet because dyson's jump shot is is not great like it it's getting there but that's not his calling card i guess you could say but he knows how to use his size as a guard like when he gets to his move he's very efficient at finishing over the top the first play of the game he hits the high post kind of like ucla cuts off a little bit he he had sharif cooper on him it was baby food it was it was an and one like he knew the ignite staff knew that's the way that he's going to be able to like get himself going um he was comfortable defensively switching on to Jalen Johnson. I think that's another asset that he can guard up the lineup and guard multiple position positions. Uh, the feet just aren't like slow. They're just not quick. So it will be about angles and, and challenges and, and using that kind of like cerebral processing yep. that he has. And he's really good at it with like picking out when he's going to poke it in for a steal, when he's going to cut off a guy, when he's going to jump a lane. Uh, so I liked what I saw, and also being as young as he is, it, it's going to take some time. But I, I like him as a guy kind of like later in the lottery that you, you hope just continues to get better as time wears on. Yeah, I think he's the best perimeter defender I've seen this year um, in this 2022 draft class. Mm-hmm. 
you mix that with the passing. I, I think it's just enough in terms of a right. tool set right. that works. Um, he'll have to work on the shot. That's going to be why he probably doesn't play immediately in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to shoot it before he gets there. But uh, once he does that, he's going to be a very effective player Like as soon as the shooting comes. Uh, yeah. he's gonna be and, very and, and even still playable without the shooting it's not hey the shooting's yeah. not there we can't play him he he can still play it just it'll be even better when the the shot's a a weapon you don't have to go under because then going under negates all the reads and the help stuff that that he's able to kind of figure out too yep okay now marjan beauchamp so marjan wasn't great the game i saw he was good he was solid and then the next yep it wasn't the next night i think it was two nights later the sunday he was very good against the long island nets he had 24 9 the game i saw the first quarter and a half he just wasn't like super assertive just very passive just moving the ball didn't pick his spots well then the second quarter he hit like a pull-up jumper he hit a trailer three he is very good away from the ball uh he's very good finishing he's very good cutter but I didn't see like the not even self creation, but like the isolation type scoring stuff. He did try to dunk on a guy, and it would have been a post where he hit it. He didn't, so I walked away just wanting a, a little bit more out of him. And then why we don't watch just one game? Then Sunday against the Long Island Nets, he was awesome. Uh, he was scoring, hitting corner jumpers, uh, doing stuff on the move, pulling up, getting up and down in transition. He made like a like step back at one point yeah. and i was like this is something you haven't <laughs> yeah. done yet this year I like i like, was like whoa this is yeah i think you're like it was two or three o'clock and you're waking up too it's like this game is uh is different from the other night he's quick coming off like curls and, and dribble handoffs too he's just going to be this combo forward that is uh is effective i don't think he's ever going to be like the scorer that you need end of the game i don't think he's going to be like the yeah. primary guy but he's he's going to be a great piece on a winning team yeah, I have a lot of respect for the way he's gone about his business. Just a, a, a lot of respect for the way that he has improved. This was a kid that was like, he did not like attend college. He left. Did he leave high school a year early? If I remember yeah, correctly? he was, he was to, gone to do the training thing that Chameleon BX, DX, not DX. That's yeah. Degeneration X. Uh, Chameleon BX or something. And then he was at junior college. Then the media notes say he was working out with mike miller working out with somebody else just working on a shot not knowing where he's going to go and then had a relationship jason hart head coach of the g league ignite actually recruited him when he was at usc so they had some commonalities there and he got there and he's been a lot better than people thought he'd be yeah was it yakima community college College, i believe good spot uh, in washington uh last year and was really good obviously unsurprisingly (laughs) there (laughs) um yeah, it's a, it's a great story. It's a really, really good story that he's found his feet, found his level. I love it. Um, Michael Foster, Fambo Zhang, like, dude, I don't know. <sighs> um, Michael Foster. So uh, he took some shots. He can <laughs> Here, – here's the thing. I, I don't know where he necessarily fits. Somebody wrote to me and said he's a first-round pick. I, I don't see that. Could, is he an NBA player? Sure, he is. He is similarly you, to – You're sure about that? Uh, okay well similar to hardy he is he's pretty one-track minded in that he wants to shoot he wants to score he did start the game with an assist and i said maybe this is the new guy this is not the guy from hillcrest prep i saw in high school who just you're down 30 and you're hitting threes doing like the three of the head i'm like you're down 30 like relax 
Uh, then the next play, he threw it in like the third row, like skipping it opposite. And Justin Tillman for the Skyhawks is is good. I mean, he's averaging thirty points per game his last three. I think he had like thirty five or six. Michael Foster was guarding him for for most of it. Uh, when he's going, like you can tell, like his eyes tell you, like I'm going to the basket. He is strong. He like he was matched up with Jalen Johnson a little bit. He powered through him. Uh, it, it does get to the point where I'm surprised when he passes the ball. He can finish around the rim, but more of just like a cleanup guy. Uh, I don't necessarily know who he defends. So I, I left I left where I was before. I, I didn't have him on my top 60. Uh, I don't know where he really necessarily slots out, but has been more productive than I thought he would be too. In terms of numbers for his, his competition. He's been productive. I don't think any of the production really translates to an effective NBA player. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. That's kind of the way to put it. Um, Fambo Zhang, just like a shooter. Sure. Six foot he was ten. fine. Like, he, had a, he had a couple really shots. It. Didn't do too much. Yeah. I, I thought he was like a multi-year kid at Gonzaga, and then he decided to go this route, and I think he should be a multi-year player. Uh, in the G League or like go to the NBL for a year or something yeah. like that. Get more reps. Um, but yeah, don't don't go to the NBA this year, I would say, would be my advice to him. And, and I want to add this too, that so the Skyhawks are the Atlanta Hawks uh, G League affiliate. Yep. So both Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson played. One's a two-way, one's on assignment, whatever. They both played. It was great for me. Jalen Johnson's on the roster. Yeah. And yeah. So they're both there. They're both playing. It, it was it was refreshing in a sense because Jalen Johnson was really good. And you saw the type of guy that I expected to play at Duke. He, he was getting up and down, making good passes, dunking around people. Jumper was okay, but but hitting more stuff. But you saw like the confidence. And you saw the belief. Like he, he needed to play there. He was significantly better. I know Justin Tillman like had the most points. He was the best player like on the floor. And we're talking about other guys' lottery picks, and I don't think you want to completely write off Jalen Johnson. Like if that guy yeah. just went to the G League, maybe he goes twelfth this year. Very possible. Yeah. And at the same time, you have Sharif Cooper. Sharif was not good. And he tweeted after the game like uh no one ever said it was gonna be easy. It wasn't the kid I saw at Auburn who came off ball screens and was like Hogwarts University wizard, like darting passes all over the place and finishing and shooting threes. He missed some threes. He didn't turn the corner hard enough to pick and roll. It was it was a nice reminder that NBA is a different game. G League's a different game than college. Sharif could figure it out, but at his size, and, and that's why I'm kind of evaluating smaller guards in, in that vein right now, it yeah. the, the transition's hard it is and, and he could still do it and when he gets up and down and, and has some space to operate he's way better when the cork gets shrunk and, and the guy switching out on you is is 610 and and long and physical it, it's harder to play the the type of style that he wants to okay third leg of hashtag penny field trip third and final ote you went to go see overtime elite let's yeah. uh let's hear about it I was pleasantly surprised. I, I walked in. I didn't know what to expect because I, I've tried to watch a couple of games on, on YouTube, and it's hard as a scout. It's hard as an evaluator because Overtime ultimately is a, is a content company. So they want to make a production. Like I, I felt like I was on like an MTV set of unbelievable branding and smoke machines and scoreboards and state-of-the-art stuff. But when you strip away like the commentary and all that, there were a lot of good players. So I saw 
two teams play. They have, I think they have 29 total. But they have, like, state-of-the-art two-court practice facility. They have strength conditioning. They have classrooms. Like, it's a real thing. Like, I've been to enough pop-up prep schools or pop-up places where you walk in, you're in a strip mall, and, yeah, here's a court. Like, that's our classes. Let's how we do it. I walk through the whole thing. Like, it, it's legitimate. And without hearing the MCs and without hearing um, all the extra stuff, I, I was able to evaluate a little bit and, and saw John Montero. I saw Amen Thompson, Don Barlow, and the kids played pretty damn hard. I mean, they, it was hyped up the whole time that they're playing for first place, $10,000 a kid. It's great. I, like, I don't know if this is uh, <laughs> some, like, crazy celebrity streetball game that we're, we're playing right now. The coaching's good. I mean, it was, it was Ryan Gomes who played in the NBA, Tim Fanning, who was with Maccabi Tel Aviv, Dave Lado from uh, DePaul and Virginia Fame, and, and Kevin Ollie. Like, that's, that's a good crew of guys to develop. And they run sets. At, at times, does it become an all-star game and a dunk contest? Yeah, it does. But they ran enough that I was able to walk away with some impressions. What did you think of John Montero? Because he's obviously the name for this year. We'll talk about Don Barlow as well, but John Montero is the name that people are uh, trying to figure out right now, I think. So I was lower on him going in, and I, I think I'm at the same place. He's just a little yeah. bit small. He's a little bit slight. He's shooting 29% or so from three, and the shot's not falling. Like He has the confidence to pull up and, and has deep range on it, but I don't trust it enough to say that he's going to be this great shooter. Uh, I, I texted you or tweeted it. He's a lot better passer than I thought. He made some really good reads yeah. out of pick and roll. And then when they got on the break, uh, he, he had a, a nice assist or two. He sent the game into overtime with a, with a bucket and assist. So he makes his, his plays here and there. I don't see the lottery pick stuff. I don't like if he was some, knock- yeah, I don't either. If he was some point, knockdown shooter, uh, I don't want to say Trey young, but who's six, two, six, three can really, sh- He's, he's not that shooter. He's not. So yeah, uh, it's hard. We just talked about Sharif Cooper having his, his struggles, and John Montero's a little bit bigger. I, I think he'll have like a, a similar arc where he's going to need time to develop and probably play next to a bigger guard next to him that like makes up for the, the shortcomings that he has. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I really like John coming into the year. I like the tape I saw from when he was over in Spain. It's, he's just small, and yeah. I just don't know that I buy the shot either. Right. I agree with you that like the passing and playmaking has really improved, uh, especially early on like in his career. He was much more of a scorer, but yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, like Worse prospect than Trey Mann, if we're being realistic oh, yeah. about it. No, 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 like, not close. Trey Mann's been okay. Like, Trey Mann's, yeah, I, I, I liked Trey yeah. Mann at Florida. I didn't love him. Yeah, and we, we both had Trey Mann, I think. Like, you might have had, like, a very late first round. Like, I had a second on Trey. Yeah, so, you, you were lower. I don't I don't have my last year. I think, like, 25-ish or so. Yeah. I, I prefer Trey um, Mann. Yeah. Dom Barlow, uh, any thoughts? Because he's obviously eligible for 2022 as well. I like them. It, it's it's the weirdest thing. He was supposed to go to Bridgen Academy in Maine and, and be playing in the NEPSAC AAA right now. And instead, he's at overtime and all the people and, and grassroots guys up around my way are like, well, he had a good summer, but like he's going pro. I kind of see it. Like he, he's, he's got a really good body. He's got really good body control. Can, can beat his man off the bounce, can pick and pop and, and shoot a little bit. Does a lot of the little things that, that kind of make an impact on, on games too. I don't know if he's a draftable guy, but I'd be surprised if he's not 
in training camp or, or fighting for a roster spot somewhere because at six eight or so and can defend a little bit can switch has decent feet there's there's enough tools to work with there where he can be on the end of the bench somewhere yeah um from what i've seen like less athletic like derrick jones jr is kind of yeah, the idea way, way less in, athletic but some, yeah like just not polished yet like does play hard on defense yeah, like, i actually hard. respect how hard he plays yep. on defense and just in general Probably not quite draftable for me at this point. 70s. Yeah. 70, 80s. Someone, yeah, like someone I wouldn't mind getting into like the G League. Just take a look at and like say, hey, like let's see how this develops over the next couple of years. I'm calling after the draft and I'm saying, hey, do you want to come play Summer League with us? And, yeah. and, and what's lost a little bit on overtime is I don't know the, I don't know the financial stuff. I don't know how that works. Frankly, I don't really care because we just, we're here to talk basketball, not economics. Yeah. Their other classes are really good. Like 2023, yeah. they have Asor and, and Amen Thompson. So I just saw Amen because Asor's team didn't play. Really good, up and down, electric athlete, really tight handle, has to shoot it. Uh, Jay Zion Gortman, who I've liked for a while, uh, kind of like uh, the best of Chris Dunn out of high school. And I know some people might be like, no, Chris Dunn was unbelievable in high school. Just that kind of yeah. build, setup. Uh, 2024 draft class the kid tyler smith from texas lefty 6-9 shooter like they they have depth there they do i I don't know the schedule and and how they exist in this world going forward and how nil money has changed anything but there's some good pieces there i'm glad i went down okay let's uh let's go to mailbag penny we've got some good ones here Uh, there was we got a lot of them thank you guys i really appreciate the listeners here uh, for just asking, I think you guys asked like 90 questions. Like in it was like insane. half hour, 35 minutes. Cause yeah. I, I drove here and I opened up my phone. I'm, I'm not as popular as Sam. I'm like, I have a lot of notifications. You asked a mailbag question, didn't you? I said, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, okay. The first one was one that was asked yesterday. It was from Steve Peltier, uh, Burke worldwide. Dear Matt Petty and Sam Stini, can you please talk about John Butler's NBA potential when you have a mailbag section or episode? Is he a pre-draft guy? Thank you and love listening to the pod. Steve's great Uh, supporter. So, yes, he's a real NBA prospect. I'm very interested in John Butler. He is very mobile for being seven foot tall. He can shoot the lights out. Like, I'm very in. I think if you put that guy in a professional setting right now, it would not go well. No. And I would be worried about like what that would do to his confidence. Yeah. I don't see him as a pre-draft guy this year. I see him as go back to Florida State, mm-hmm. continue to work on your body, and see where it goes. He's 25 pounds lighter than Evan Mobley was last year. Which is the wild, same size. right? Like, that is a lot of weight that he has to put on to be a, like, viable nba player even in my opinion I uh, so yeah I, I agree as as i have chet holmgren second yeah. who needs a lot of weight to be a viable nba player the the duke game he was spectacular he he yep. hit three threes had like a a floater no no no. it was uh from the left like baseline had like a running jumper and then defended paul bancaro at the end of the game had a block had a strip had a steal but that was like everything that was everything put together yeah. finally in, in one game he hasn't done that consistently enough for me to say hey go to the draft you're you're there 
I would like some more reps in college too. I, I really like him. Yeah. I, I think he's a great prospect. It's just not fully baked. I, I really like him as well. I think it's a bit irresponsible to talk about him as a 2022 prospect. Could like be. just being fully transparent. I do. Yeah. Because it's he's just so skinny. Like it, there's just like he cannot go pro this year. Someone's got to show this clip and then splice in check getting knocked over. But that's okay. We're, we're okay. Yeah, it's fine. But like it's but here, here's the other thing. Like John Butler is a perimeter player at that size. Chet is tough and physical as hell. Like there's. There's a difference, yeah. I think, in terms of the way that they operate. Also, what is Chet listed at right now? Uh, you do this every week. I, I killed one of my friends said. You said 190-ish, like 40 times. His drinking game would be drunk. I think Chet's listed at 195 or 200 pounds, I think. Which is like 10 pounds more than John Butler right now. Yeah. And that's a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, it's significant <laughs> when you're that skinny. Yeah. Okay. Uh, from Benny Profane. Oh, Benny uh, Profane. What national championship matchup would you most want to see for the sake of watching prospects battle? Um, he says personally he thinks Paulo Jabari because he thinks there'd be some serious time guarding one another. Uh, that's a great question. That's a good I one. think that it would be Duke Auburn. Like, I would love to see Duke that's, Auburn that, in the that, tournament. Yeah, that's that's yeah. probably the, the right answer. I like to see Auburn Gonzaga as well. Not as many prospects, but you just have Mono Yamano, those two guys. But Duke Auburn's a, yeah. a good one. That's the, the first you, one that comes to mind. You also get the Mark Williams, Walker Kessler yep. battle. You That's get good. Alan Flanagan on some of their perimeter players, who's pretty big. You get Katie Johnson being Katie Johnson and being like a borderline maniac <laughs> no, on the court. No, no, no. It's not borderline. That game, he was yelling at the bench. Which bench? didn't matter his own bench kentucky's bench the the bench of auburn students he was uh he was fully engaged we need to make this like a a wrestling survivor series poster between these two teams like a boxing bill because that would be a a great poster to hang up at the Roma if it is auburn versus duke because there's a lot of matchups that i'd be intrigued by and i I love it so much (laughs) like I, i don't mean this is a negative for katie johnson oh no it's the best fit for a player and a team like that that crowd loves him oh, that he, crowd he, he, goes he, he nuts belongs with playing him. on that stage absolutely totally it's the best it's the absolute best um okay next question let's go to draft deeper uh, our good friend nathan over there up, why does alondas williams feel like he's being undervalued at this point uh he's playing like a first round guard this year and could possibly make an impact right away for a good team this is wake forest point guard alondas williams he's like six foot five um you know a lot of great numbers this year uh penny you go ahead I, I, <laughs> i'll tell people where i have I mean, I can go first, but I can tell people afterward where I have him ranked right well, now. And, and also, I, I like his, his story. I like his toughness. He's a, coming out of junior college. He's an Oklahoma transfer. So kind of like surprised everyone. It's just it needs to be all like smoothed out for me. Just like still some crazy shots, still some crazy turnovers. I, I don't necessarily know what you're going to get each night. The passing is actually better than I, I thought it would be. But it's like, I, I think I'd rather prefer like Julian Champagny over him in, in that sort of role. I don't think he's ever going to have the usage and the volume that he has at Wake Forest either. And the NBA, you just kind of have to do that in 10 minutes and not 34. So I, I, I like him. I don't, I, he's like outside the first round for me right now, though. So. 
pretty far outside the first round for me. All right. Um, I've got them like in the 70s. Holy right smokes. Now, to okay. be honest. I don't know that. And the reason for that is I don't love his feel. Oh, I have 58. At, at all? Like, yeah. At, at all? Um, I think he just makes some wild decisions. Like, wild shot selection decisions, wild passing decisions. Like, you watch him come off of a ball screen, he's so athletic and mm-hmm. has, like, real skill level. I don't know if he knows what he's, like, totally looking at yet, to yeah. be honest. And he, he strikes me as, like, an awesome G League player who's going to be, like, really good at that level and probably get, like, a cup of coffee at the NBA level and see how it goes. You know, having a guy in the 70s now, that means he's probably more, like, in the 50s by the time the draft rolls around because <laughs> right, guys right. will pull out ahead of him. And, and they've been um, – and Wake Forest has been really good. So credit to that team, to your boy Jake yep. LaRavia, to Steve Forbes, bringing in transfers. They've been awesome. I, I've long been a, yeah, a fan and, of Steve Forbes and the way he's built programs. He, and he's done it in, what, two yeah. years there. Yep. And by the way, I have LaRavia ahead of him. I do. Because you love him. I love him, yeah. but the feel for the game and the way that it fits at the next level, just in terms of like being able to play off the ball, I think is really valuable. That's the other thing that worries me with Alondis Williams. How does it work when he's playing off the ball? Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think it works. Like, I just don't think it works, to be honest, um, off the ball. And I don't know if he's good enough to play on the ball uh, at the NBA level. Okay. Um, from Brian C. Klinger, can you fix Draymond's back? I think if you can and refuse to do so, it's a crime. Uh, um, my wife removes, that. uh, she has minor surgeries. Like if it's like a wart or a cyst, I think we can take it off. But if it's like a major back thing, I don't, I, I can't help you. I don't think she can either. Unfortunately. Yeah, no, I, I unfortunately cannot <laughs> help in regard to, um, to that. I live in Australia guys. That's, uh. That's a place. Um, okay. Let's see here. Uh, let's do two more, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, sorry about this. As you can see, we really don't answer these questions ahead of time, and there really were a lot of them. Um, I laughed at the Draymond one. I saw that one. That's why the, I started laughing prematurely. Other than that, I haven't seen any of these. The, it's so good. The Draymond one That's is perfect. so good. Um, God bless the internet. Yeah. Uh, I think we've talked about that one. Did Penny move Josh Minot into the top 10 or top five after the Tulsa performance? He played great against Tulsa. 12. I think that that's, um, that's a good one. Okay. Here, here's one from... Um, Here's one from Ben, BCS Buckets. Favorite non-Gonzaga mid-major prospect this year? Oh, I have mine, but I, I, he's, my, uh, <laughs> he's my game theory prospect of the week. So maybe you go first. Well, I, I think it's still Pat Baldwin for me. Um, I yeah. do have him ranked highest on my board. Um, he's he's out in Milwaukee. Yeah, he hasn't played in forever, though, so it's tough. Yeah, if we're trying to think like upper class mid-major prospect i mean like jordan hall i don't know if i consider a10 hyunjin lee i don't know if i consider a10 here um oh man i'm I'm really scrolling you know tyler burton again richmond a10 but i'm like trying to really find it's also like how do you define like highest ranked like favorite like 
I, I don't want to steal yours. Like I really um, like I really like Tevin Brown at, at Murray State. I like Ryan. Yeah, I like Ryan yeah, Rollins was, at Toledo. Like I, I like those guys, but I don't. I don't have like I have my board in front of me. They're not in the top forty right now, but like I like watching those guys yeah, play. Yeah, Tevin, Tevin Brown was one hundred and three for me mm-hmm. on my board this year. Um, I have Jalen Williams at Santa Clara at eighty three. Uh, I, I like Jalen Williams quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, really creative off the bounce, six foot six. Got to Santa Clara, I think at like six foot three, and grew three inches and put on a lot of weight and strength. Um, don't love the hip flexibility. Don't love like the um, jumper all that much. But it's hard to find guys that are six foot six that can handle the ball like Jalen Williams can, right. and like take guys off the bounce in a real substantial way. So may- maybe Jalen Williams is a good answer for me, but. This might be a good time. Uh, please, thank you, everyone, for the questions, first and foremost. Uh, we will answer more of these next week, for sure. We'll put out the you know list of – or put out the reminder again next week before we record. But we'll keep some of these, like, 80 questions that you guys asked and make sure to answer them next week. Let's go to uh, prospects of the week, game theory prospects of the week here. Matt Penny, you're up first. My game theory prospect of the week. This is a, a fairly popular one. Based on the success he's had the last few weeks, I'm going with Isaiah Mosley from Missouri State. He had 40 points in a win versus then 14 and two Loyola Chicago on the road. Uh, they're riding a 30 game home win streak. His five previous games, he had 24, 32, 33, and 43. He's up to 21 points per game, shooting 52 percent from the field, 45 percent from three, 90 percent from the free throw line. He's six foot five and, and just has this supreme amount of confidence in his game. He he scores. He lets you know it when he scores. He he's going to gesture to to you and to the crowd. He gets paint touches almost whenever he wants. He's great at pick and roll. He's great as an isolation scorer. Uh, the shot's a little funky. It, it is, and he's wired to put the ball on the ground as soon as he catches it. Like he doesn't want to catch and shoot, but he did hit a yeah. couple dagger once and a couple dagger step backs against. Loyola in that game uh, where there was a hitch but it was like a little less hitchy but but still hitchy he's super physical on his drives he uses body he uses shoulders he uses that size versus smaller guards and then he'll work on the glass a lot of tricks in the bag with his pump fakes his stutter steps just a tough tough player he was actually my prospect of the week a year ago if you remember Uh, I think maybe the first time we we kind of talked about that when he had similar numbers the three-point percentage was a little bit lower. I don't know where he kind of like nets out on boards, but definitely deserves a, a mention for the week that he had and has catapulted himself into discussion, conversation to be one of the better scorers on uh, a mid-major team and, and throughout the country. Yeah, I, I've got him in the 70s. The shooting numbers are just real, right? Like he's six foot five and shoots 40% from three. And the mechanics are weird. Oh, yeah. And he puts the ball on the floor beforehand. Like, yeah. I get all that. I think he can shoot. I think he can really shoot. That's the thing. If like, can, that's what if, matters. If he can really shoot, he should be a second-round pick if we really buy the jumper. Yeah. Because at 6'5", and you're not always going to be able to like do that bully, overpowering stuff, but he has enough like NBA-type counters, like the, the jump, the step-by, the fake, the step-through. It's not just plowing through guys all the time. So here's what worries me. And... I didn't really recognize this until I was talking to an NBA scout yesterday. And the NBA scout told me, you should watch his defense. He's really bad. And (laughs) I get that he's responsible for a lot of uh, 
a lot of offensive Points. creation yeah. for Missouri State, and there's probably some energy conservation there. It's not good. Blow by city a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. On defense for him. That's the unfortunate and, part of watching full games. Is that <laughs> when you're not yeah. just clicking on makes on synergy when you see the rest of it, uh, sometimes the story's different. Stories can be different based on whole game versus clips. Yeah. It, it's a lot of a lot of getting blown by mm-hmm. on defense. And, and look, I'm willing to contextualize it with like he is responsible for everything Missouri State does on offense. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that he needs to like take a breather on defense from time right. to time. But that that's where he needs to take the jump, I think. That's that's where the improvement's going to have to come from. All right. Uh, my game theory prospect of the week this week isn't someone who's, you know, sometimes we do guys who have big blowout games like uh, Isaiah Mosley, who just dropped 40 against Loyola Chicago, right? Yep. Uh, this is just a guy I've wanted to talk about on the podcast for a while, and we haven't found an in yet until now. Colby Jones at Xavier. I am an enormous Colby Jones fan. Yeah, you are. I I just think that he's definitely an NBA player. He is six foot six, six foot seven. He's big. Like he's big. I I think that I didn't recognize how big he was last year when I watched him. I mean, he he looks big against other guards that like have to defend him, Mm -hmm. and he's strong and he knows how to use his frame to keep them on his hip. Like he's really really effective at using that size to his advantage. Plays hard on defense. He rebounds. He is in the top 150 nationally right now in offensive rebounding rate because mm. he plays so hard. Right. And because he just like flies around and makes things happen. Um, I think he's a really good defender as well. Like just works really well within their scheme. Um, good driver. Uh, I think that's probably where he's most effective. Plays well Definitely. off the ball. Uh, I would love to see him on the ball a little bit more, to be honest. Uh, look, Xavier has. Um, Paul Scruggs, obviously, and they use Colby a decent amount on the ball, but I think there's even room for a little bit more. Um, the key here is going to be the shot. Like, yeah. does he shoot it? Does like he not shoot it? 33% from three, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's you know a very similar number to what it was last year. He's taking more of them this year. Like, that's really important. He's taking about one more three per game. We'll see where it goes. Um but if the shot comes, he's definitely an NBA player because he does everything else on the court. Like he is one of those players who's an everything but guy. He just needs the shot. And I tend to be someone who thinks that the shooting can improve uh, at a high level. So, and the other thing is you talk to people around the program and you talk to people that have met with him and everything. Um, Really, really intelligent kid comes from a great family. Um, I believe that like had a Stanford offer uh, academically, very, very intelligent. All of the background like boxes get ticked. Uh, Just, just a, I I am a believer in Colby Jones playing in the NBA. Um, I have him like at 40 on my board. Oh, that's that's probably high. high. Yeah. But I, I, and like, honestly, I don't even, I don't even think he should leave this year. It's just that, you know, the other part of this equation that's real, he's younger than Chet Holmgren. Like he's still 19 years old. And as a sophomore in college, he's performing at a really high level. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm a big believer in Colby Jones. Yeah, I like him. That's a good sell. I, I thought he turned the corner a little bit sooner, and he may still need to turn it some. He showed promise, I'd say, like the middle of last season that made me think he may be a first-round guy for this year. Been slowish, but I, I get it. Like I, I like the size, like you said, the handle, the rebounding from the wing, plays through contact well. I, I do hope he goes back and he, he plays a, a little bit more, but I, I see the intrigue that you have with him. Okay. 
What random sports movie did Sam find on TV this week in Australia while trying to search for sports? So every time no, ran, that ran, I am random looking, general movie, right? You said sports movie. No, um, yeah, random general movie. There we go. So okay. people who live in Australia will know that Australian TV plays a lot of really weird movies. Like I tweeted a photo of Dan Cortez and someone else, like in a <laughs> volcano movie or something. Like, because at what, the cricket at what time? ended early. At what time? Does this oh, like scroll we're through? We're talking like midday. We're right. talking like before the... So I was looking for the Australian Open. And they have all these random channels. So like Channel 9 has <clears throat> Channel 9, 9 Go, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. They have all these like different, like three or four channels. And before the tennis was on, I found a gem. It's a It's a little movie. From, I believe, 2004, we're talking pure That 70 Show heyday. It's called Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, <laughs> starring Topher Grace, oh, Topher. Kate Bosworth, yeah. Josh Duhamel. No, I did not stop and watch this movie. Oh, uh, you scrolled by? But I've seen it, it was before. on TV. That's cop out. That's like... Uh... Because uh, I've well, seen it before. Cause, I, I don't, cause the I don't next need to segment, see it again. It's going to be what random movie on TNT or TBS is on the hotel when we checked in? Because it's always like something random that makes no sense. I, I, I'll tell you this, man. Like as someone who sees a lot of random shit on TV in America, uh, it's nothing like it is here. <laughs> yeah, like where, European where, where vacation. That, that like from? I don't know. It's just like, like some the sort rights. of like licensing it rights. Ha- it has yeah. To be, right? Yeah. So, win, win a date with Tad Hamilton uh, with Topher Grace. Th- this is the movie with, like, Kate Bosworth, where Kate Bosworth kind of became a thing. Uh, because she's very likable in the movie. But the problem with the movie is, and this is, again, this is a movie I remember uh, from when I saw it back in 2004, 2005, wow. whenever. Yeah. Um, back when I was, like, 14 or 15. Whew. The problem with this movie is that they make Josh Dumel the uh, titular Tad Hamilton, way too likable compared to Topher Grace. So when Kate Bosworth is supposed to end up with Topher Grace at the end, you're like, wait, what, why is, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you're rooting for the Joker to be Batman. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like you're rooting <laughs> what you for, get it? Like Keith Ledger was really good. Like if he wins, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. This movie, just an unreal cast. Like we're talking those three, Gary Cole, we got Nathan Lane, Catherine Hahn, Octavia Spencer, Amy Smart. We got Tobolowski in this movie. We got an uncredited Paris Hilton, who was apparently in a deleted scene. We have an what? uncredited Jordana Brewster, who was apparently in a deleted scene. We got to get these deleted mo- scenes, Penny. Like- <laughs> I'm sure I can find them. This movie sounds a lot better yeah. in uh, in retrospect than it actually was. Yeah, we got we got Jennifer Goodwin here, who was on Once Upon a Time for years upon years. Um what a what a all-star movie! Cast. Uh, all-star cast, just a beautiful, beautiful flick. Um, I believe it's like set in, isn't it set in like fucking like West Virginia? It's like a weird sure. fucking town. In yeah, West it, it's where you'd want to win a like, date with Tad Hamilton. One of those, one of those spots. <laughs> yeah. What a what a movie! Uh, just a just a beauty. Mm. Okay, Penny, you're up. Uh, you, did you, well, I want do, to talk, do you want to talk Yellow Jackets? I, I want, I want, do you we, want to talk? We have to do five minutes of Yellow Jackets because I, I plowed through. I watched two episodes a night. I stayed up too late. We, we got to talk about it. 
This is the spoiler zone. Turn off the podcast. Thanks for listening. Yes. This is great. You want to get nuts and talk? Go, go subscribe jackets. to the YouTube channel. Go subscribe to everything else, please. Okay, we're up on Yellow Jackets. Spoilers, 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 yeah. spoilers. Okay, so I finished it. Great show, right? I, I loved it. It's unreal. It, it had me. Here's my problem. Okay. No, no, no. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Great All cast. Right. Great story had me. I had no idea this was like slated to be five seasons. I thought this was like True Detective, mm. one season standalone, knockout cast, right? So I'm watching. Uh, and all my friends have finished it. Shout out Lil Kev, my, my buddy who really pushed me to, who's, who's mad that I didn't say it before. Lil Kev, this is you. Okay. I'm watching this last episode, and, and they're abandoned. They're on a, the freaking wilderness, right? And all this crazy yeah. stuff's happened back home, and I keep pausing it. I'm watching my wife. There's 20 minutes left. There's 12 minutes left. There's eight minutes left. I'm like, they're not going to solve this thing. We're going to leave with like unfinished questions. What's going to happen? This thing ends, and I like throw my hands in the air. I'm like, what, what are we doing? This solved nothing. This was just like 10 episodes of I'm in the same place I started. We, we solved like a half a question. And then I looked it up like, oh, no, no, this is an ensemble cast. We're going to do this for years. So I was pissed. <laughs> if I had known it was like this, I think I would have approached the finale differently. But that's why I'm like yeah. so mad right now. It is so good. I don't care. Oh, like, I, I care. I'm in you didn't for want like some, like some answers on some stuff. And then one of the showrunners was interviewed and they yeah. said, yeah, we have plans, but yeah, Adam's character, we're just kind of kind of see what happens. Like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean you're going to see what yeah. happens? You're going to like crowdsource Look. like who this guy was? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, I, all right, is Christina Ricci like part of this like crazy thing? Like, all right, Lottie's alive. Great. What the hell does this symbol mean? That was like in the woods and they got there. Then they weren't like, were there people yep. there? How they get out of there? Uh, you, you had the thing with Shauna about her, like knowing how to cut open the rabbit, but she hasn't really cut open anybody in the wilderness yet. I, I felt like it was a cop out just because I thought it was going to end then. That's all. I, okay. I really liked it. It's, it's a nine out of 10, but like I, I just felt uh, unfinished. That's it. So let, let's dive deep into some of these um, questions. <sighs> right. Yeah, that's so a did you appreciate the way that they handled the Jackie character? Because that, that was my one thing. I was like, eh, you know, More it of- works because the whole time they've been like kind of setting up that she's being alienated. She's being uh, cast out after being the leader of the group. Mm-hmm. And as Lottie's rise happens, Jackie is falling. Yes. Right. Um, I don't know. They still, a did little her, bit- they still did her dirty. Like she still they did her dirty. Like Shauna still cheated on her boyfriend with her. Like I get it. She'd be like a bad person, but. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I for an eye were both blind. Like, hey, why don't you go sleep outside? Then it's like a cold night, and they're just yeah. like froze to death. Like, ah, sorry, she's dead. Like, what do we do? I don't know, dude. You're in the middle of the wilderness. It's been like freezing. You guys like huddling together. You thought you're gonna wake up and it would be the summer again. Ah, like that was frustrating for me too. Our queen Misty, uh, just ten out of ten human being. Yeah, perfect. Like neater. I mean, character. Perfect. Not, not uh, the the scene where the. Uh, "Quote unquote," private investigator, whatever, leaves the house and crashes the car. He knew it was coming. It's so good. Uh, it was just, it was perfect. She's like, smoke last cigarette. She's like, God damn it, Misty. <laughs> Every single thing, uh, Caligula. with Misty in that show uh, works. Yeah. Every single moment she is on screen, you, in like, she shares a screen with Juliette Lewis, giving like an incredible performance. Mm-hmm. 
in every single time she's on screen. Like the scene where she runs in and like does the cocaine so that Juliette Lewis doesn't do cocaine. <laughs> like it's fucking incredible. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and yeah, uh, every single time that Christina Ricci is on, <laughs> on the screen, you're just like, I need to spend, I can't take my eyes off this character. I need to spend as much time with her as possible. And, and while, you'll, while you'll know that I'm weird, you know how mad I was? And, and I get it. It's symbolic. When Juliette Lewis breaks the vending machine and just takes one thing and just <laughs> takes peanut M&Ms, I pause it. I was like, you got purple Skittles, blue Skittles, green Skittles. You had all these choices and you went for peanut M&M. You destroyed this machine and like your anarchist point of view, you're just going to take one thing and it's a peanut M&M. I, I don't know. That, that pissed me off too. So I don't like the peanut M&Ms. I will say that. I don't, I'm not hating them. Just like I'm that a, was the pick. Like, I don't know. I'm a big fan of the peanut butter M&Ms. Oh, absolutely. Pretzels even better. But Love them. Whatever, yeah. Absolutely love the peanut butter M&M's. Like, if I'm going to a movie and I can find those, I'm in. That's the win. Not the peanut ones. I don't love the peanut ones. I love the peanut butter ones. Um, Okay. Do you think Adam is slash was Javi? No, because wouldn't they have known? Like, like, how would they have not known that? But Well, like, the thing is, though, that they didn't know where Travis was. In the beginning. Right. Because Travis had changed his name and had, like, True. it seems like kind of moved into a different part of his life. Moved into Vermont or wherever mm-hmm. he was. That that was my theory. Like, that the was, whole time that, Laura and I were watching, we were like... Jackie called that early, too. That, that's what it was. But then when the showrunner said, no, it's not that at all, I was like, oh, okay. It, it left it unopened. But, but by for, the way... Oh, I got to call it, too. Go ahead. The, the showrunners need to stop talking. Like, <laughs> need the mystery. I love you guys. Thank you for creating a show that we so thoroughly loved, enjoy. Loved. Yes. You guys need to stop talking. Like, it's, it's let the mystery hang in the air. Too much mystery, but it, yeah, let it let it build. Here, here's my here, here's my other my other call out. Here again, just the, the weirdest in my brain. Does that? And you watch a lot of movies. Probably a lot of high schoolish college yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Does it drive you nuts that every high school reunion is at said high school? How many high school reunions are ever at a high school? 20th year reunion are going to be in the gym? Like, you go to so a restaurant. I, you go I've to never room. gone to a reunion. I, so, like, I, I don't know. I, I promise you it wasn't at your high school gym. But, like, every movie, it, uh, like, every TV series, the reunion's, like, at the high school. It never happens. I don't, I don't know why we keep doing this. I, I, I'm with it. Yeah. The weird one was the girl who like breaks her leg at the beginning yes. is the same girl as the MC. We think, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't she supposed to be a freshman? Like, isn't that the whole point yeah, of what right. Taisa is yeah. doing? And then she's just like there as if like it's her reunion we went, too. We went through the trauma together. We're gonna get through it. The dark, the dark humor was perfect too. By the way, like perfect. Oh, so good. Like when they were doing uh, when the first person. I think they're burying people from the plane crash and they're doing like the circle, like holding hands, like say something. Well, she was just pulled up from JV, so I didn't know her that well. But I'm like, this is so dark. This is so dark. What do you think is going on with Thaisa? Uh, I don't I don't know if anyone knows yet. That That's why yeah. I don't have an opinion. I don't think the, the showrunners, the screenwriters, whatever. I think they've kind of left that a little bit of breathing room where they can figure out what they want to do with it. Uh, the first thing was split personality and she has like that darkness in her. Maybe she was medicating and then went off it. Clearly she was the the yeah. woman in the tree. But then you have like the thing with her with the guy with no eyes. There, there's all these 
Like at true. Yeah, that's the one where I'm like totally thrown. Like, what is going on there? Uh, mine was more the symbol, but then the guy with no eyes. It, it was true. Like, to- is the guy with no no eyes the guy that you see? Like, is he the skeleton in the um in the attic? And then the guy that you see when Jackie dies, where like right, 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 she's sitting right, right, in the right, chair, right, right. and then you see I took that the guy. guy in the I took left that corner. guy as the hunter from the house, and that was like his ghost. Yeah, yeah. But like, is that guy the same as the guy with no eyes? Like, I can't tell. I, I don't I, know. I, I couldn't tell either. Uh, but okay, home inspection question. <laughs> okay. Do you have a basement in your house? Unfinished, yes. If you go down to the basement mm-hmm. and you see blood, um, just a couple drops of blood, like coming from the I don't know what do you want to call that, like the little like airway, yeah. I guess air vent. Mm-hmm. Let's call it. Um, are you opening that air vent and going in? <laughs> uh, I'm taking a, a look, maybe I'm throwing like a baseball in there and see if it like comes back to me or, or what happens. But I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm like crawling in, uh, I still rent. So I think that'd be a call to my landlord. Like, Hey, I think we got like a situation here. Uh, I'm, I'm not that brave. I'm not that brave. I don't think I would climb in there. I am. There is no circumstance. I'm climbing in that vent. Like there is literally zero chance that you are getting me in that vent. Yeah. Also, who the hell has a vent that big? Like, it's a weird ass. Like, what is it? What, what is it? What was the Frida Pinto movie we watched? It was the same thing. Like, oh yeah, secret room like here that nobody knew about. It wasn't in the schematics of the house. What was the name of that movie? I, I can't remember. I remember it was on Netflix. It was bad. Remember. I don't know. Whatever. They, they, oh they, yeah, that yeah, yeah. It was um. Whatever. But it was like, oh, yeah. this is the actual blueprints. Um, How do all these places have secret rooms? Maybe I just don't know about the secret room in mine, and that's that's the problem. Yeah, I was going to say, like, did the builder of my house build, like, a secret basement? We don't – so, like, it's apparently a thing here in Australia where people don't have basements. Okay. Like, it's just not It's like the West Coast kind of, too. Thing. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, there's not necessarily the, – the movie we're talking about is Intrusion. There you go. The Intrusion has a, a room. Uh, I don't know. Maybe all these places have panic rooms. Just got to dive a little bit deeper. Oh, my God. Um Okay. Uh, favorite part of the show? Oh, the soundtrack. Is that weird? I felt, like, I, really I felt like the soundtrack like yeah. hit it like perfectly so many times. And it, the it, offspring it it. like drop oh. whenever they walk into the reunion could not be separated. more Oh, it's great. Perfect. Yeah. It was amazing. I was, uh, um, the, the, the part I'll leave it is I was rooting for, and they kind of cleaned it up. I was rooting for Shauna to kind of like not be a murderer like later in life and just had like the trauma <laughs> When she stabbed Adam, right? When she stabbed him at the, yeah, yeah. the end of the ninth episode, I was like a little bit pissed off because I'd gone nine episodes of being like, hey, you got your scars, you got your emotional baggage, I complete your trauma, I understand. But then it's like, we're back. Like, here we are. Here we go again. And, and I hope, I hope it doesn't go five seasons because there's only so much stuff you can do and dance around. Is it supernatural? Is there other people out there? Who else was out there? Like, I don't want to keep going back in time for five or six seasons. It was sort of like, I don't know if you ever watched This Is Us, but after like three seasons of This Is Us, it was like, I don't want to go back in time anymore. Like, can we just do like present day? And, and maybe they close that loop and seasons three through five are, are present day. But I think you can only do so much of going back to the past. So, I have some concerns on that, too. Mm. Um, it could end up like a lost... Like, this show is very lost. Like, it's very dead to lost, obviously. Um, I wonder if it's, like, a situation where they decide we have to go back. 
Oh like God, no! I didn't think like of that yet. No, why are we going if back? It goes that what's long? there? Oh, yeah. that's what's going to happen, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think you ruined it. You're right. Um. Well, they're they're supposed to go back actually to TV apparently later in 2022. So hopefully the wait isn't too long. That'd be great. Yeah, that's that's what we're hoping for. Um, I will say I thoroughly enjoy Natalie and Juliette Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, think that that character is awesome. I think that they did a really good job of casting the uh, young player or the young actors slash slash yeah. actresses. Um, to match the performances of the older play or the older actresses. Like it's really, really good. Oh, the Um, mannerisms too. The mannerisms like perfect between the two of them. Like you saw some of the stuff like, Oh, that's Juliette Lewis for sure. All right. Uh, Unfortunately, we've got, we got some news here that we're going to talk about. (laughs) Oh, better fire through. We're at hour 50 right now. Uh, Seth Davis, uh, a source told The Athletic with direct knowledge, Louisville coach Chris Mack and the school are in final stages of negotiations for a separation agreement. Uh, This is happening. It's done. It's done, though. How did this fail? Let's let's just go for it. Let's do it now. That way we'll do it next week. Uh, How did the the Chris Mack era at Louisville Because the Chris Mack era at Xavier, it just, he always seemed like the candidate of, of going back down the road, didn't have to move, could bring a system in there, hired the right staff, I, I thought, when, when he got there, recruited at a high level, brought in some McDonald's All-Americans, had Malik Williams, had Sam Williamson, I, I thought the, the pieces were there to do it, uh, it hasn't, and as you know, and the expectation on not just winning, but winning and succeeding in the NCAA tournament is paramount at a place like Louisville, especially when you're battling Kentucky every year. So when you have that, you have some off-court issues, you have some stuff with assistants leaving and, and people getting fired. The tolerance level is, is not there for the product on the court isn't good enough either. So this year is a disaster. There's not like another, this is an unmitigated disaster. Um, They did a really poor job of identifying guard talent this year, which not great, right? Um, The the offense looks terrible. They can't initiate sets. I don't even love what they're running. Like, I don't know what they're running half the time. Hard watch. When I watch. Hard watch. Um, It's a really bad watch. A lot of their offense uh, over... Chris Mack's time as a coach uh, has been, you know, influenced, let's say, by Luke Murray, who left the staff last year and is now at Connecticut. Connecticut has a top 25 offense in the country, despite the fact they lost James Booknight. They have a better offense this year, despite losing a lottery pick uh, and having one ball handler on the court at once because Connecticut runs really good stuff and figures out how to get offense. On top of that, Luke Murray worked with the guards a lot and... I think that losing Luke was probably a bad choice for Chris. And that was obviously, uh, along with Dino Gaudio, uh, that whole situation, which resulted in Chris Mack being uh, suspended for six games to start the year. I think that the way he handled that situation last year with the assistance was disastrous. There's just not another way to put it. Um, You lose two guys that you're very close with who have just not done a good enough you know, who have done a done a good job by you, I would say. Yeah. Like Luke Murray 
brought in a lot of the kids that uh, Chris Mack, you know, coached at Louisville and at Xavier. So that wasn't great. Um, His substitution patterns over his time this year uh, at Louisville, it's clear he's searching. Oh, yeah. It's clear that like took words in my mouth. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do. And like, I get it on some level, but like it's over the last five games, no single lineup has played more than 5% of Louisville's minutes. That is crazy. Like think about that. that. 5% of a game, Mm -hmm. 5% of a game is how many minutes? It's one twentieth of the game. It's two minutes. Yeah. You're, you're the smart guy, not me mathematically. So no, no single lineup has played more than 10 minutes together over the last five games. That's that's, that's, the, that's the epitome of searching, though. I mean, you look at his four years there. First two years, promising. 20 and 14, 24 and 7. They were ranked number one in the country yes, at one point. they were. They were ranked number one yes. in the country at one point. Yes. And then the last two years, 13 and 7, now 11 and 9, where Louisville expects kind of like elite-ish, elite eight caliber-ish stuff. With, it just, you can't have it all those ways. You can't have that plus... Uh, the assistant stuff leaving, plus you're losing. It, it's just something's got to give. At some point, you called it out. In, the, the fan base turned very quickly, and when you do that, it's it's pretty much over. Like there was no there's no turning back the tide. Like they ran, ripped off yeah. 15 straight wins. We could still be sitting in the same position March 10th. So if, if you're ripping off the bandaid yeah. now for both parties, it clearly wasn't working. You can tell in press conferences it wasn't working. Make the not clean break, but the break now, and it kind of gives Louisville a little bit of a head start in saying, we're going to find our guy. We have all our, we have all this time now to get ahead of it and, and probably find or, or try to find the best candidate. So even active sitting head coaches in college basketball see that, and maybe that's enticing, and they put out their feelers and, and see if there's any mutual interest too. The other thing I want to note here is nobody has gotten better on this roster. Samuel Williamson was a McDonald's All-American. He hasn't gotten any better. Love them on high school. Especially Mm -hmm. this year. Yep. Like, this year, he's the same player, if not worse. Dre Davis, uh, he's from Indiana, Indianapolis, if I remember correctly. Um, I really liked him last year. I was really impressed with, like, him as a potential role player starter. He hasn't gotten any better this year. And, like, he's playing less minutes than he did last year when he, I thought he was actually pretty good. Like, I don't really know why he's playing less minutes. Yep. Um, I don't think Malik Williams has really gotten much better, to be honest. Oh, he, like, yeah, and, and he, always, had, he had some comment last week, like, is there a disconnect today? I have no comment on that. It's like, that's the disconnect. If you say, and have, if someone asks for a have disconnect, you seen you say, the video of that? I haven't. I just saw the tweet. I mean, he pauses for like eight seconds, and it's clear that like there's a lot going through his mind. He's like trying to figure out what to say, Mm -hmm. and he decides to no comment it. But like, oh boy, it was a bad look. Um, But yeah, the guys just like Jalen Withers. Like Jalen Withers looked pretty useful last year. He's he looks like at at sea right now Mm -hmm. in terms of what's going on. So. And, they, and, uh, and look, they probably know, miss man. Carly Jones, too. Carly Jones is really good. Like, they, they probably, miss, I'm they sure probably they miss having him, too. But, the, again, though, that comes back. Like, they evaluated properly the guard position yep. that year mm-hmm. and brought in Carly. Didn't evaluate it well this year. And, they like, when was the last time they brought in a freshman point guard to grow with the roster and, like, continue to develop? Like, I mean, David Johnson, I guess, yeah, but David like Johnson. David Johnson was always going to go there. And David Johnson was more of like a secondary ball handler mm-hmm. at Louisville. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it It's not good. It was not... It didn't go well. Um, the fan base had totally turned. Like, I've been searching Chris Mack's name um, after games on Twitter during this streak. Why? And it, it was just clear that they were gone. Yeah, in attendance, all, all I was that just stuff. curious. They, they, look, they have a rabid fan base. They do. Like, it's not called the Papa John Center anymore, but... Uh, the Yum Center. Yum Center, that's right. I played at Freedom yeah. Hall when Coach Patino was there. We won. Uh, but, like... <laughs> That was a great win for Travis Ford. He, Rick Pitino coached him. My point is this. Like, they care so much there that, like, you can get it rocking. That, that's still a, a great job. That's a, a pro college team in the sense that, like, they take it as seriously as they would an NBA team. That's their program. They want to win. They want to beat yep. Kentucky. They want to be at the top of the league. So, my, I get it. You can't go 11-9 and nine and 13-7. and seven. That's, that's the break sometimes. No, that's 100% right. Um just like as easily as Louisville can pay a coach. This is something I talked about on the Ion College Basketball Podcast with Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander this week. Like, just as easy as easily as a Louisville can keep Rick Patino for seven million dollars a year, eight million dollars a year, they can get a buyout real quick for a coach that isn't working. Yeah, because people care that much about the school and care that much about basketball. There, you can't lose to Pitt. You can't lose to Pitt. Oh, from coached a Pitt by guy. Jeff Capel. <laughs> Can't from a lose Levant to this Steel's team. fan even saying this. This is how lonely. God. I, listen, they've lost to Furman, DePaul, Western Kentucky, so an DePaul, NC State DePaul, team ranked DePaul, outside DePaul, the top 100. Year, but I, I get it. DePaul is good this year. DePaul is ranked 103rd in Ken Palm right now. They're good. <laughs> like, uh, Freeman and they lost to Pitt. They lost to Pitt. That was the, like, that was the end of it. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And it's you can't do that. Um it's unfortunate that it ended this way. Uh, it's the whole thing seems very unfortunate. But the other thing is that I think that the fan, like, here's another part of this that the fan base turns on you. The fan base turns on you when you start like going into press conferences and like acting like you didn't say what you said in terms of like, has the team, um, you know, do you know what motivates the team? I think was the quote. Like, um, I, I don't know what motivates these guys. Yeah. And then the next press conference he goes in and is like, did I say that? You should know the quote. Like, you're the one quoting it. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like, what, why are you doing this? Yeah. What, what's the point here? That's There's the just end. Not- that's, that's when you know it's the end of the road. When, they, when, they, when you start addressing stuff like that, everyone knows. Everyone knew it was over. People thought it was going to make it to the end of the year. It, it escalated rapidly and quickly we were talking about it before we started recording like does this happen today did we talk about it now we mentioned it earlier and two hours later here we are yeah um it's yeah no one likes to see this when it happens louisville fans i think are probably pretty happy to be honest Uh, i think louisville fans are very happy that they the university seems like they're just pulling the band-aid uh off and finishing this and we're going to be on to a new... Uh, on to more unrealistic expectations of the head coach. So we should, what, put Brad Stevens at the top of the list and we'll go down from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think they're going to make like, you know... Swings. Pr- probably, look, swing. I'm, we don't want to say names, so they're going to swing. Yeah, they're going to swing. Yeah. Let's say let's, that. Let's, they're gonna let's go not for get ourselves in trouble. They're going to swing. Yeah, I'm not going to name names. But like, I would imagine that they're going to take a big swing on three or four guys and maybe they get them. Like, we'll see where it goes. Louisville can pay a crazy amount of money, and the fan base is great. You can you can build the best program in the country at Louisville. That's what I'll yeah, close on. They have like, won a national championship. They've done a couple of national yeah. championships. 
I genuinely believe that if you get the right coach in there, given the resources, given everything they put into that program, you can build the best program in college basketball at Louisville. Um, and, you know, when the results are not making the NCAA tournament two years in a row and everything, it's probably time to move on. Uh, okay, Penny, we've been here two hours. Yeah. It's been too long. Yes. Uh, we, we set up too much today. That That's... That was that was bad happens. on my part. Uh, we'll get better. Please tell the people where uh, they can find your uh, find your shit. <laughs> uh, find me on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. I actually have a couple guest pod appearances this week. I'm going on with Jordan Sperber, friend of the program, tomorrow, and Boxing One on Thursday. A bunch of college games, and then some other fun nuggets in about a week or two. But yeah, just just potting, just potting here and posting my little clips on Twitter just the best go follow matt penny remember tag him hashtag penny field trip please uh please make sure that that's a thing i have a big board coming out tomorrow you'll be able to read my full rankings that i've referenced here uh tomorrow wednesday so maybe by the time you're listening to this um i have maybe something else i don't really want to say what yet but we will see it's not like a big reported thing or anything but i don't want to promise it and under deliver um Yeah, that's it. Until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.